to all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders. Welcome to Sports Talk with Coach Kurt, episode 136. We back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On all your popular platforms, you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Coach Defense, alongside Coach Kurt. We are the misfits of the airways. Some call us misfits, some call us degenerates. But we are the misfits of the airways, bringing you the podcast to keep the water coolers pumping and the barbershop jumping with NFL hot takes and NBA fast breaks. Coach Kurt, what's going on, good brother? How you feeling out there today? Hey, man, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling good. If I was doing any better, I would be in Hollywood. So I am ready to go. How you feeling over there, sir? I'm doing good, man. We got a jam-packed show for you. We got a jam-packed show for you. We got a lot of topics to talk about, man. A lot of NBA stuff going on, a lot of NFL stuff going on, and nothing bigger than the Super Bowl. Uh, after we get through our NBA stuff, we want to bring on my guy, Alex Givens. He's going to join us from Arrowhead Attic. Uh, he's an avid Chiefs fan, uh, one of my colleagues on the Lightning Fast Fantasy Football Podcast during the NFL season. So he's going to join us, and we're going to discuss everything about the Super Bowl and give our predictions on who's going to win. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to yeah, win. Yeah. So, yeah, man, we definitely got to jump right into it, man. So this guy, like I said, we had a jam-packed show for y'all. Man, I'll tell you, a lot of things going on in the NBA, man. Uh, we're getting close to the trade deadline, uh, a few other things. Uh, some interesting, you know, little nuggets have happened uh, here, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the last few weeks, and uh, you know, we won't cover it up. We won't cover it up, man. Like I said, we start NBA season starting to ramp up. Uh, we did, well, I think right after the Super Bowl, we'll get it right to All Star uh, weekend for that. Uh, so it's definitely uh, going to hit that uh stride and where everybody's really going to be starting to focus in on it. So, yeah, I want to start the show off today by talking about uh, my guy Joel Embiid. <clears throat> mm, yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, last week we did a segment on load management. And Joel Embiid was the topic of that conversation. Recently, he was criticized for not playing against the Denver Nuggets. I think it was about a four-year stretch we hadn't played in Denver. Yep. You know, he cited a nagging injury as the issue. Uh, he even went up to the day of the game to see if he could go and ultimately couldn't. Right. Now, if, you, if you're if not familiar, the NBA has a rule now where if you miss too many games, you're, you're ineligible for awards such like such as MVP. Yep. Uh, I think all NBA is included in that. All the major stuff. All the major stuff. So Embiid sat out of a couple of games and then got back on the court. Well, now he's significantly injured after the Warriors uh, game and the Warriors player, Jonathan Kamiga, fell on his knee, tearing his meniscus. Yeah. So now the argument is that uh, after he's going to miss significant time, I think we'll talk at least four weeks, maybe more. Um, I've had a meniscus tear myself, and uh, it's not a uh, it's not a quick turnaround. <laughs> no. no matter what age or what range you were, and I was in my teens when it happened. So... Um, I would like to say, you know, people would argue the, the moment and the time that he forced himself back on the court to be eligible for his awards because you also have to realize that a lot of these contracts are incentive-based now, uh, whether you get maxed out on based upon your salary, uh, whether you make MVP award in that time frame, or All-NBA, whatever. So can we say definitively, Coach Kurt, I'm going to throw it over to you. Do you. Can you blame the NBA for this particular injury on in Joel Embiid's tenure? Hmm. So say that one more time so I can I can make sure I have a proper analysis. Can I can I what now? Can you blame the NBA this go around for Joel Embiid's injury based upon a new NBA rule? You know what? In some aspects, I would say it would be easy to blame the NBA mm -hmm. uh, and what they have in place. But I'm going to say you can't blame the NBA on this one this is no different than working to blame a restaurant uh when you buy food and you leave it out all night and then you eat it 
later and you get sick. Uh, mm. It's not the restaurant, right? Um, in this aspect, I know there's things in place, wanting to go to the MVP, wanting to get the MVP, uh, wanting to, you know, maybe go after certain awards and certain incentives. Uh, but I, I like to say I'm going to hold on to this thought process that once the season starts, you're never fully healthy anymore. That's a great point. That is a great point. Right. Once the season starts, you're never fully healthy. You're you're working to maintain as being as fresh as possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hold on to the point that. We haven't lost the competitive fire and the ability to say, am I hurt or am I injured? Can I play and be effective and still help my team? Or will I or am I in such a place that if I go out here, I'm more of a detriment with this injury than I am as a contributor? And so, you know, we we know Joel Embiid. We know how key and integral he is to the Philadelphia 76ers. And I'm going to believe and hope that he he analyzed his body, he looked at his body, and he felt that he was in a good place, that he could go out again. None, no one is healthy once the season starts. Um, and he could contribute. I'm also going to lean as you look at the injury, mm -hmm. right? There's been plenty of players that have played – uh, and again, we grew up in a time, and I hate to say this, I, you know, this being the year of Kobe Bryant, I have done a lot of reviews, a lot of going back and watching, a lot of research. Uh, and I say that in context of saying we grew up in a time watching players like a Kobe Bryant. Kobe, with his mindset, still, after tearing his Achilles, went back out and shot free throws. Well, I mean, I, I still argue that's a whole different animal right there. <laughs> yeah, now it's a whole different animal. I'm not expecting mm -hmm. somebody to be Kobe. What I'm saying in the mm -hmm. context is if you look at this situation, this wasn't a, a injury where he was like, hey, I'm wore down tear, you know, and I'm, I'm pushing past and, uh, you know, where people have to say sometimes you have to protect the uh, athlete from themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm this was an injury that resulted of being a player falling into them, right? A falling into him. So mm -hmm. that can happen no matter what. Okay. You're, you're, you're leaning on the side of just a freak accident. That that's that you know to sum it up. Yes, I'm saying that he could have sat out for four weeks mm -hmm. to get uh, as happen. healthy as possible yeah, and walked out in first game, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden injured. Now, if that wouldn't, I will caveat. If that wouldn't have happened and we would have watched his game diminish and we could have, without 100% being, you know, in his close circle and, 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 and being a part of who he is, if we would have saw his game diminish because he was chasing the MVP or he was chasing, mm -hmm. you know, incentives, um, then we could say something. But – it's hard for a hunter to get mad at the prey when the prey turns around to defend itself. And I'm saying that in the context of, on one hand, the NBA is looking to curtail and looking to counteract the 
players missing a high number of games and still being eligible. So I, I believe in the what the rule is saying is this. We want players available. We want players active. And we don't want a player playing 30 games. And then you have a player playing 60 games or 70 games. And the player that has not been there all of a sudden is winning the MVP. I think they're looking to counterbalance it and make it as put a number to the fairness, right? Even though they say if you want something fair, that's the place you go judge pigs. So uh, I think it's it's a counterbalance. You, you know, again, we want players to put up stats, be available, to be able to look at being an MVP, right? And part of being an MVP is your availability, <laughs> right? And so I think that is a way to make the best out of a dire situation so that's my thought but in this to sum it up uh to this again like you said freak accident and that's what it came down to okay uh well i got a slightly different take on it i I really believe that um the rule and the stigma behind his injury history is directly to blame for this injury because he should not have been out there until he felt as close as healthy as possible the season is 82 games it's a marathon not a sprint Fatigue more than anything causes significant injuries. No matter how you how good of a shape you are in, if you don't get the proper rest and recovery, your body's going to fail you. This is what happens when money and opinions creep into product product and ultimately hurts the product in the long run anyway because your stars are not going to be on the court at the end of the year. You want them on the court every night, but this is a game that's more physically demanding and fast-paced than the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. So... You take players around the vicious cycle, putting them in the rules to play and incentives in your contract that make the max money only if you achieve only if you achieve certain accolades. This is if this falls out from this is where it's, this is where the fallout is from that. If you want, it's going to keep happening, in my opinion. Sooner or later, you're going to realize you know you're going to criticize the awards and say that you know only you know if the top three to five guys aren't in the running, why did why should they go to a a, a lesser or a secondary player? Because again, you know it's because the rule is the rule. So I listen. I'm telling NBA like this: buckle up because you're going down the wrong road, in my opinion. I don't like the rule. I believe mm-hmm. that the players should should take care of themselves and their bodies holistically. Now, again, you know, just just from a optics and a and a, I guess you can say voters' perspective, just let it let it be understood. You know, from a voters' perspective, and I think it has been already. So it really didn't need to be a rule to say it. Like if a guy only played 40 games, and you, and he, his numbers are in comparison to a guy that plays 60 games, you you would definitely consider the guy that plays 60 games with comparable numbers than you would, you know, the, as, as well as the 40-game 40, 40 40 guy. You would consider the 60-game guy more so in a higher, hold him in higher regard. The voters have always done it, in my opinion. You know, because, like, take Kawhi Leonard. They gave Kawhi Leonard some consideration a couple years ago for MVP, but he, he, was, he was too often hurt. He didn't play enough games. So Kawhi Leonard wasn't considered and vastly and, and holistically in most people's eyes that he's the, he's the MVP candidate because he didn't play enough. So it can be a, a issue with voters. You can let the voters, let it be, a, I guess you can say, unwritten rule for them. But having the actual rule and, and putting that in place and saying that it's a, it's, a, it's a flat standard that you only can miss, hell, you're talking about 18 games out of a whole 82-game season? And, you, and so you don't qualify for all NBA, you don't qualify for MVP and all these all these accolades that, that can affect your money. I think it's ugly road. I really think it's ugly road that NBA is going down, in my opinion. I don't think it was needed. Uh, again, like I said, it, it should just be up to the voters. You know, because again, you you know, yes, you don't have a set criteria, but I think it's un, an unwritten rule or, or, or subconsciously understood that if a guy doesn't play a certain level amount of games, then, you know, how can you really truly consider him? And it has to be significant. 
I think we argued this last year about, you know, Giannis versus Jokic versus Embiid. And I think Giannis was the only person that had uh, less than like 60 games played between the three of them. So right. we held Embiid and Jokic in a higher standard and they ranked higher in our in our voting than, than Giannis did because Giannis missed too much time. So I would I would leave that to, to a voter aspect. I, I wouldn't necessarily con- consider that being a flat out rule because again, you're going to get guys who kind of try to force themselves back on the court like Embiid did. And yeah, I get your point when you said that he could have it could happen in any freaking freaking time. But again, you know, you know just what I know playing the game and coaching the game that a kid is more likely to be significantly hurt if he's already fatigued, if his body's already worn down, versus it being a flat. I'm super healthy and somebody rolls on my ankle and my knee. I, the likelihood of me getting hurt is slimmer if I'm fully healthy. But if I'm already fatigued, I'm already banged up, and I go out there and somebody hits me or I fall wrong, the likelihood of me getting hurt more significantly is is higher. So I think that's my issue. And like I said, I think MB only his only reason for playing, if this hadn't been a rule, he would not have been on the court that night. He would not have been hurt. So I, it has to it has to it has to take some of the heat. That rule has to take some of the heat in regards to this because again, he only did it because he was trying to make some money. He's only he was he was literally trying to he's trying to he's trying to. I guess you can say debunk the narrative, and he was trying to, uh, you know, be on the court so he would be staying in consideration for the MVP. Because again, you know, because we've say, seen him sat out a significant time before, and you know, you know, it just it just was par for the course. But because this rule is the rule, and he was trying to go, he was he was putting up the numbers that were equivalent to have him go back to back with his MVPs. He was trying to get on the court, so I think that 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 this, that this rule has some shoulder some of the blame. He is injured. He does have an injury history. I get that. But I think I think the rule is not absolved by saying that it had no it had no it played no part in the matter for me. So that's where lines for me. I think that's that's completely and utterly fair in my opinion to think that if he was not uh, worried about this rule, he wouldn't have been on the court. I mean, it was a Monday night against the Warriors. I mean, come on, you, you don't think this definitely the seventy six team could beat the Warriors without him? I think they could. Oh, with some of these games I've went and I've looked at some of the scores, I don't, man. Listen, I don't. Yeah, I mean, know. yeah, it's a possibility that it could. I don't be, know, but, <laughs> but but the odds are, talent wise, the odds are, you know, that the Warriors will likely succumb to the seven senses with or without a beat. So I don't think he was needed, but yet he did. He'd already sat out two games, so he didn't want to make it a third. So he played, and that's what happened. Yeah. So. But but here's the other thing I would I would throw into it. This also impacts, and we've saw we've seen this. This impacts you with suspensions as well, because this is this this impacted Ja Morant that one time and hurt him getting money because he wasn't able uh, to fulfill the yeah, agreement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you get suspended for any length of time or you hurt for any length of time, it don't it don't matter how you miss these games. Yeah. You just yeah. missed these games. You missed them, missed it for any number of reasons. You're in rehab. <laughs> like it don't yeah. matter. You, yeah. you, you miss these games, you miss these games. It doesn't matter from what reason. You don't get excuse absences like school. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you go, you gotta you don't the doctor's know it's not gonna save you. You gotta be all present and accounted for. Yes, you gotta you be have, all present have, and accounted for. You gotta have near close to perfect attendance in order to qualify. Yeah. And I, and yeah, I think it's yeah. unfair. Like I said, the game is way more physically demanded than it has been in the past. And again, yeah. but uh, this is really about pleasing the the, the money the money givers. Well, I definitely know. think money's evolved as well. Oh, but I, I, you know, I I think I I think some of it is countering trends, and I would love to go back and do some research of when this rule came into place, and how much of it was tied to behavior issues. Oh, it was the, this uh, is the first year. This is the first year it started. Okay. Because I, I really feel that part of this 
mm. is also tied into and 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 I, I'll say I think some of this came fall out from Ja when he was having what many would say is an MVP oh. season. Listen, and the the king the king uh, cohort in this is, is Kawhi Leonard. It started with him. Oh yeah, and yeah, people started a, following suit behind him, saying that well he's not playing. You know yeah. he's a top in top ten player. Then hell, I'm gonna sit out to him. I'm gonna risk my my body bodily injuries, you know, and things of that nature. Because and look uh, who's playing now at right, a very yeah, high level. They high they, they calling him Kawhi Leonard Jordan. That he's <laughs> Listen, you know he's doing he's so Iron well. Man now, right? He's yeah, Iron Man now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I don't think he missed a, uh, more than one game at a, you know one or two games you know in a, in last you know two or three months. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, hey, again, yeah. you know what? What it makes people, you know, get in line there. Maybe you know it could be a situation where it it could be detrimental for a guy like Embiid who has injury issues, but right. it could be a, a fixer for Kawhi Leonard who had been milking it. Let's let's just, let's just throw that out there. Let's just say hypothetically, yeah. Kawhi was milking it. Now they got a rule in the place that you you it's going to affect your your status if you don't play. Now he out affect that bank is going to yeah. affect that oh, bank, and now he's like, oh, wait yeah. a minute, let me. That this officially in place, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't stop, I can't, I can't keep faking the funk no more. Yeah, yeah. But listen, no me and me and you are on different sides of the fence. But I would love to hear uh, what our supporters and everybody out there, which side of the fence are you leaning on? Are you leaning on the side of the fence that uh, this rule uh, aided and and accelerated Joel's injury? Or are you on the side for my money? Yeah, are you on the side of nope? It's not had nothing to do, and he just you know he just got hurt. We would love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, let us know in the comments what you think. You know, as far as who who was at fault, or or which is a whether it's not a freak accident. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about my man, Dirty Macker. (laughs) (laughs) Let's Ah. talk about my man. Let's talk about my guy. This is the low management rules. If you if you're not familiar, I just want to post that real quick before we get into the next topic. Yeah. Uh, you know, so this is these are the rules that at, at play. So, and if you want, were confused with what the details were, they are the low management rules. It's funny that they say key mm-hmm. player and star player, right? Yeah. It's just funny to me because how do you designate key and star, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because you may you know you may have someone if you look at. Let's go back to when Boston uh-huh. uh, was together, you know, as the team with Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh-huh. It's easy to say maybe Jason Tatum is a star player, but I would contend Marcus Smart. Was. Oh, if you go back, if you go back and look at the, look at the list from last week's show, I, I yeah. listed everybody was a key player in, in that. Yeah. It, was, it was on the show. It was on the show. Yeah. So look at last week's show. It definitely has this, the shot of who the key players are, who's affected by it, who's not. Yeah. And I like long-term absences. Teams are discouraged from sidelining star players for an extended period, uh-huh. especially in situations that could compromise the game's integrity. You know, yeah. it's always funny that, uh, as they say, rules, when you set them, are really encouraging people to break them. You know, rules are not meant for the people that are going to naturally do it. Rules are meant for the people that are going to be uh, nefarious in nature. And so That's the first right. thing when what happens yeah. when you see a rule, you start working to mm-hmm. figure out yeah. how to alter it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So moving on to my guy, Mr. Dirty Mac himself. This is <laughs> the Dirty Mac Daddy. <laughs> if you ain't been on social media, this situation has 
brought a lot of feelings out from former players yes. uh, that have played against or played on teams with Dirty Mac. Dirty Mac. <laughs> so he has the greatest low haircut I've ever seen. Look, I don't. I don't. You that's know, painted. No, act. Let's, that, not, that, let's, 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 let's not play that game. That's that thing ain't disappeared at all. I like. That, I just that, you know that is he got that color. That is listen. Listen. You don't wake up like that. Let's put it like it's that. Like, <laughs> it's like you ain't. It's like Bigfoot. People mm. say it exists, but you ain't never seen it. That's the same thing. Like his barber. Listen. That they say his moved, barber exists. That headline ain't moved in, in fifteen years. I ain't never seen his barber anywhere. You ain't never seen. You ain't never seen any social media shots of him. He might have a helmet. Just got that lined up right here. Oh yeah, just put a helmet on for for ten minutes before he leave out. Listen, his sharpie game is undefeated. It's impeccable, ain't it? it? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So yeah, uh, appreciate you, uh, CB. Not you for coming through, man. Appreciate you. Um, Yes, sir. Listen. Uh, so you know, if you haven't dirty heard, Mac. Me, <laughs> <laughs> that's my man, Dirty Mac. Yeah, so, yeah. if you haven't heard, we're paying attention news. Doc Rivers was officially taken over as the head coach of Milwaukee Bucks a little over a week ago, about a week ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the Bucks fired Adrian Griffin, a rookie head coach in the league, after winning 30 out of 43 games in the East. That's crazy. No, was number two seed at the time, he was fired. Yep, Doc is in the proverbial Cadbury seat as the coach of the Bucks. Yep. Now, one would think that if you were fired, your current coach, you know, would be the new one that would be inspired change and spark a, uh, a fire in the locker room, right? However, Doc is one in three in his first four games, one of which was a bad loss to the Blazers in Dame Lillard's return to Portland. Yeah, there's a song. There's a song for Doc Rivers, and that goes with what you said. It's called "Hell No" to the No No No. He ain't cro- he ain't created no spark. None. At all. Hell to the null. Not at all. To top things off, for some odd reason, well, it's not odd reason, it's a rule, but he, he was named coach of the All-Star game by default because by the default. team <laughs> record and the number one seed coach had already recently coached the All-Star game. He's ineligible. So the next best man up was a two seed at the time, and that was the Bucks when they named All-Star coach uh, for the All-Star team. You talking about falling into a yes. great situation. Right. So let me get your thoughts, you know, quickly about what do you think about Doc's hire and his start? Oh, I'm here. This is this is this is my response. That's see it. That? See that? I ain't saying nothing. You see that? Yeah. You know, as 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 our grandparents said, if you ain't got nothing good to say, sometimes you don't say nothing at all. Right. Listen, man. Listen. Um, we. I'm gonna I'm go back to our last segment where okay. you said who's at fault, right? Yeah. Um, before I talk about Doc, if anybody's been paying attention, you know Giannis is one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. I really do like him. I think he's a dog. I love the fire. But I will say this. Where there's smoke, there is fire. Mm-hmm. There are certain players that no coach is there without getting signed off on, right? If we look at the last couple of years, no coach has made it longer than a year with Giannis at the helm. Oh, that's not true. In the last couple of things, no, no, Adrian? No, no, no. no Budenholz, the Adrian was, this was Adrian's first year. Budenholz was there throughout the whole Giannis' career before this, though. We had Budenholz for a good while. This is, this is, this, Giannis is the third coach, but it, it, it was a quick turnaround. 
quick turnaround. Yeah, and then Jose there's been for, for a good little while. And there, well, let me. You're right. Let me change. There's been three coaches fired within the last year. True. One That's left. Two. Yeah. Budo one left. And Griffin. Yeah. And Griffin got fired. Right. 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 And it just it disturbs me when I hear certain things being said from a player as if I, you know, like throwing throwing a rock and then hiding your hands, mm. and so. You know, uh, it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented to see a coach go thirty and I think thirty and twelve, thirty and thirteen, and middle of the season, number two seed, and get released. Mm-hmm. Released, right? Why is that? Why exactly? And now Doc comes in. If you. If this was an artist, mm -hmm. this is like making an album in 2010 that went to number one and you still riding off that hit. You are milking this record for everything you can. Doc Rivers has to be one of the greatest Jedi mind trick masters ever in basketball history. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that his track record has landed him a job brought in from being an analyst to head coach a game and then lands because of a technicality as the all-star coach. And they've gone one and three, as you stated. Key mm -hmm. fact, most times when something like this happens, the new coach Let's look at football. We're going to get to that later. Antonio Pierce steps in, reinvigorates, gives a spark. Team uh, switches, ascends to a different level. This is a sign of there's something going on, Lucy. You got some explaining to do. Mm -hmm. Four games, one and three in those games. And with I that, would say with that team, come on. With that team, they have looked worse. Yes. And this is the one thing if you've been paying a social paying attention to social media that every a lot of players are saying. And here's the thing when players are saying it, these are not analysts, these are people that have been in the midst and either played against or played with. We've all seen Doc's track record when it comes to big games. For some reason, game fives. It becomes the character of the person. And he's being brought in to lead a team that was ascending and trending to being a juggernaut with this team. And now all of a sudden, the record is the record. And I will tell you, I personally don't have any faith that this is, they getting to know each other and this is going to change. There's sometimes you make bad decisions and you got to live with them. This right here to me, is a decision that is not helpful at all, especially when you see what has happened in the playoffs, what has happened when big games have been at stake. And playing with the team, he's playing with players that he's had similar 
types of players and built and, and, and camaraderie and chemistry with, and they couldn't get over the hump. You look at Boston, you look at Philadelphia, same things, Clippers, same things, right? So listen, I'm laughing because I thought something, I thought I was seeing something. I was about to go make me an eye appointment when I saw All-Star Game coach. Mm. I said, what the hell did just happen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was you, like, you, "What you, the hell just happened?" I, I yeah. listen. Yeah, I Go said on. to myself, "Oh, we must have had an outbreak, and all the other NBA coaches in the conference must have got sick." <laughs> right? Because how in the hell do you come in in two that's, games that's and it. you get named All Star? Exactly. But that's, and that's you know something was crazy when y'all just said a, that's a wild NBA rule they have. Who has the, best, the coach with the best record, no matter who, whoever's in that in that seat at the time, gets the job, and even Giannis, when he heard, oh, you know, Doc is the all-star coach. Giannis turned and looked and said, mm, really? <laughs> he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. Yeah, and yeah. I'll end with this and throw it over to you. This is even more reason why I will say there's a vendetta out against Mark Jackson. Oh, listen, listen, there's a... I don't I don't mean to get you frustrated. I don't mean to get your blood boiling. I know how near it, dear. That's a trigger to you. That's two yes. words. Trigger warning. Yeah. But I will say this. At this point, just can somebody come out and say, we don't want him back in it? He didn't either flicked off somebody, old lady. He didn't piss in somebody flowers. No, it ain't that either. He, he returned somebody's car on empty. Listen, whatever he did, can we get a mediator? Can we get a Yala Von Zant to come sit down and make this better? This. I don't think she can fix this life. She can't fix this life. I'm sorry. Y'all can't fix this life. I'm sorry. It ain't happening. There, there is a short list of coaches on, on, on both sides of the spectrum, NBA and NFL, that, that can't get a job and it ain't about the fact that they can't they can't coach. It ain't that. We're we gonna get into it later. And I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna jump it off now by saying that certain coaches are retreads that shouldn't have a job. Mm. Let's get a gangster. Make it play. If you want, if you want context to what I'm saying, go back and look at my 30 minute lockdown two weeks ago. I talked about Doc's hire, right? Yeah. Before we started. Yeah. Before we started that Thursday before he started, I told you what his record was. How he um, underperformed and underachieved in playoffs, had championship level talent on every spectrum of the stratosphere and every yes. he's been and can't deliver. Can't can't deliver. Can't, can't deliver at so, all. Like your I, worst delivery person at your Pizza Hut. Listen, cannot deliver. Listen, that that dude then started at the end of your driveway and kicked your Amazon box all the way up the fucking driveway. You hear me? And it says fragile. It does. Fragile, <laughs> <laughs> do not turn. <laughs> you kick that bitch all the way up. <laughs> Worst delivery. He up there like he in WWE. He drop kicking that. I'm kicking it, bro. Drop <laughs> kicking it. I like what Joe said. Joe Joe Byron said Doc Rivers is overrated. Oh, completely, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I bad. Listen, we we listen. Long long as you talking about pizza, we good. We good. We good. That tree. We good, man. You we get your whole pizza and all the sausage and, and top is a slid against the box and it ain't nothing but cheese and the, and the pizza's rolled right. up. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's my that's, that's my gripe. Those my another trigger word for me is is the enemy. That's yeah. another trigger word for me because we don't we we listen. We don't have we are not we are not happy about the fact that he doesn't have a job on this podcast. We're not happy, but. At all. I want to how do you how do you feel about this? Uh, listen, uh, 
dirty, dirty Mac. Yeah, right. And I jokingly say, I jokingly talk about his dirty Mac and because that's what I feel like he did. Because yeah. I think, because I mean, I, you have to understand too, again, I, I reiterate what I talk about on 30 Minute Lockdown. The fact that he was a consultant for this team back in De- since back in December. Right. So, you know, he di- you didn't hire him as the head coach, but you hired him as a consultant. Yeah. So, and all of a sudden, yeah. out of the clear blue sky, Griffin gets fired again after winning 30 games out of 43. He was a two seed in the, in the, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Also, you argue that on your resume, you're doing a good job. So unless, again, if it's an E-Man Douglas situation where he's sleeping with the boss's wife, you know, you ain't, you, there's no reason why you shouldn't be still coaching. And if nothing, I still argue that even if it's not going well, even if Giannis and Dame are unhappy, you got to ride that wave out, man. You got to ride the wave out and just see what happens. Because I'm, I'm going to yeah. promise you this. Doc Rivers is not going to, it's not your savior. <laughs> <laughs> Rivers is not your guy. Bad, son. Tell him why you're mad. He's not, He's not gonna deliver anything for you. Nothing. Uh, step Nothing. By, step by how to how to keep a headline past 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing he's gonna deliver for you is a good how to keep a headline past 30 years old when you when you your headline receipt, sir. What's making this worse is that picture you have up. Every time I look at it with what you're saying, I, you can't even see it. You know that shit. You can't even see it. Like, dude, seriously, it's too perfect. It just looks grimy. Perfect. Like, I just want to touch, touch the top of his head and see what happens. <laughs> even move. Have you ever noticed you've never seen Doc Rivers in rain? I'll wait. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead. I'll wait. Pull a bus underneath the tarmac. I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. get my head wet. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of. I'm, I'm gonna say this and keep it PG. This reminds me of you. You have a milkman that ain't been delivering milk, and all of a sudden your old lady come up pregnant. Ooh, you like wait a minute. Hold, hold on. When 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 did this happen? He been, he been delivering the milk. He been delivering. It ain't, it ain't, he been delivering a different package. <laughs> <laughs> While you was out making deliveries of your pizza for Pizza Hut, he was packing different sausages. <laughs> <laughs> but let me get into my official take before, before yeah. we get too off the rails here. <laughs> Again, I, what I feel about it, how, what my thoughts about it, I personally don't think much of it at all. I still want to mm. know what led to Griffin's fire. I really do. And we haven't heard. I haven't heard a, a peep. I'm just waiting for the 30 for 30 at this point because it's, it's real hush over there. It's real hush. Yeah, yeah. They, so they, I, they, they, got, they must got a hit man out because neither of the coaches have said anything. I know they don't. They want to. They want to even address it. So I mean, outside of Doc Dirty Mackin behind the scenes and getting him ousted, I think that's what he was doing. I think he literally was talking bad about him, or he was advising him to do certain things that was going to get him let go. Right. It had to be something like that because, like I yeah. said, he was sold for the team, and then they ultimately fired him. That's real convenient. So was real he undermining him or giving the team bad advice to make him look like he wasn't a good fit? I don't know. The world may never know. Nonetheless, mm. I'll have to say, I would have, again, I'll reiterate, I'll let Griffin finish out the season personally. That's what I would have done. Yes. I wouldn't find yeah. him off the, off the strength of that. Yeah. Now, now, bring in a coach with such a bad history in the playoffs, is Doc Rivers? Hell no. To help Hell him to people, I don't know. You know, again, <laughs> ultimately, you burn the Bucks. you know, it really burned the Bucks more than they realized. I think they're going to really feel the effects of this once uh, it all shakes out at the end of the season. Oh, definitely. The team Definitely. was going to win, but coaching or lack thereof is going to be the biggest thing that's going to derail this team. And I like you know, I, I had this team winning it all or going to the finals at least at the, at the first start of the season. That was before oh, I did too. In this conversation, we both did. We right. both did. Right. So that's the problem I have. So why doc? If nothing else, you know, again, <laughs> this smells like an undermine. This smells like 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 Adrian got undermined. It did. It did. Because again, why doc? If nothing else, 
again, we talk about the Terry Stotts thing. Why not give Terry Stotts a shot? He's already familiar with Dame. Dame's comfortable exactly. with him. He was exactly. with Griffin. He, that's the only reason why he walked away. So you bring him back, give him the head job, at least the interim, see what he does. He's been a head right. coach before. He's familiar with your top one of your top players. Why not do that? Because right. to me, Doc doesn't change anything. And again, no matter what team he's on, he's going to be who he is. He is what he is at this point. Yeah. So I, I don't see I don't see it moving the need at all. And I and I hate to say it, but you know, as much as we do love Giannis, I love Dame as well. I, I feel like this team's going to regress, and I really don't know what to make of it. I mean, the trade deadline is is a couple of days away, but I don't know what to make of it. And quite frankly, I think it's going to it's going to it's going to ultimately hurt them in the playoffs, and they're going to get ousted by teams you want to expect. Like the Knicks it's already it's already trending that way. Yeah, like the Knicks and Pacers get a hold of them in the playoffs. Oh, we, I, I, listen, the Pacers beat them with Adrian there. Right. What do you think they're going to do with Doc there now? Exactly, exactly. So yeah, look out for that. Look out for that. But yeah, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it. You know, again, Doc is a, is, a, is, a, is a good person. You know, you know personally, but his his coaching his coaching ability is is, is lackluster. Let's Every keep time you say I don't like it, and then I look at that picture, it just, it just makes me. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. got a perfect picture because that picture right there just is cringy. Yeah, it's it really sneaky. Is. Yeah. It's like it's it's it reminds me of being in school and you got that one kid that goes back and reports everything that you're doing. Oh, a little right. snitchy rat. <laughs> oh, little, oh, 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 sneaky snitchy. Yeah. You over there mm-hmm. reporting every, or you know they yeah. didn't go in class on time. Uh-huh. You know that they 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 copied each other's homework. It's like what? And then mm-hmm. sit there and look at you like I don't know what. What happened? I don't know how they found out that right. you guys did that. Yeah, that might be Doc. Oh, oh that's Julie. <laughs> oh yeah, they're dirty Mac as you call them. They're dirty Mac right there. I got a lot of scriptures. Hey, CB. Hey, CB. Oh, man. Let me find out you like Doc. Let me find yeah. out. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't like it. I, not really, I really, it really hurts because, again, that's just, it just it rammed down the competitiveness to me. Because I think they're it ultimately going to fall by the wayside based upon Doc's track record. Yeah, one and three. One and three. One and three. So we'll see how that's things are going to get. If it, if it turns the corner or they trade for somebody that helps the team. You know, you know, and it kind of they'll they'll win despite Doc. It's probably the only best bet they can do right now. Yeah, win real quick, ten games. What do you say they they since they're one and three now, so they got six games left. What do you think their record would be? Well, let's see who they play <laughs> since you, since you asked. <laughs> since you asked, let's look at the schedule real quick. So, uh, ironically, tonight at ten they play the Suns. I got them losing. Yep. Uh, they play this. They play the, the Timberwolves after that at home. Then they play Charlotte. Then Denver. Then Denver. Then Miami. So one, two, three, four, five. Then they got Memphis after that. So I would argue that you can mess around and be. I only see them winning two games. Yeah, Charlotte and, and Memphis. That's only two games yep. I see happening. And ironically, yep. there's, there's one that one game is on TV. But yeah, they could mess around and be. Uh, what was it one and four? Three, one three and, and five. Two and three five. and seven. Yeah, yeah, three, yeah, three and seven. Yep. Mm-hmm. Three and seven in, 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 in the first 10 on the dock. Ah, uh, yes. Come back, revisit this in 10 games. Uh, CB, uh, Joey, we look at Joe, we look forward to you guys coming back and having this conversation again. I'm predicting, I think coach is with me. Uh, we're predicting three and seven in their next, or for the totality of 10 games. Uh, we're only predicting them to win two. Which was Memphis and Charlotte, and who the hell knows? Right. They may mess around mm-hmm. and catch a L from Charlotte. 
Yeah, well, and look at this. I mean, he took an L to Denver, you know, which is we could be expected. I mean, it's a chance. He lost to Portland by three, which he shouldn't have. Lost yeah. big to Dallas. Oh, they beat Dallas, but they lost big to lost big to Utah. Yeah, twenty one. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, come on. Man. Look at that. Come on, man. And then this Joker gets all star. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he tried to. He and then he tried to make it. Up. I'm gonna give the money to ring to. to yeah, him. you don't want that yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Then try to say, well, and then he was like, I might not show up. I might just let my assistants. Man, get out of here. Coach the game. Don't act like that. You taking that check? Yeah, I want to see. I want to see the actual giving of the check to Adrian. Yeah, I need. I need. I need. I need that. put on Instagram. Put the put. Yeah, we yeah. need proof. We need visual evidence, sir. Yeah, yeah. And we don't trust yeah. you. Trust yeah. you. Sneaky. We don't need international waters where the money can't be uh, passed around. We need. We need to see the actual passion of the I, yeah, dollar. I, yeah, I need. I need to see you endorse the check over to him and hand it to him. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, moving on. Real quick, let's wrap up NBA segment here. Um, let's talk about a trade deadline. Like I said, it's two days away. Okay. You know, just to get a quick overview of what you feel like in, in, in when it comes down to the trade deadline. Um, is there any trades? You know, and I, I, I preface this by saying that, uh, you know, like I said, it's only less than 48 hours away, so we don't know. Yep. Haven't seen any news just yet. So tomorrow could be a really heavy day into early Thursday, but, you know, who knows? It's been kind of quiet. Yeah, like the trade deadline's coming up. Is there any trades that you'd like to see happen for the deadline to kind of shake things up in the NBA? Give me your top three moves that you'd like to see. Top three moves. Yeah. One, DeMar DeRozan getting traded. Okay. Uh, that's one move. Any, uh, I was about to say, any move to do with the Lakers. I'll namely say the person that warms your heart, brings you the biggest smile, D'Angelo Russell, being traded somewhere somehow to okay. somebody and in exchange to get someone in to the Lakers and then mm, you know what I will I will go with and I don't know who it would be bringing in a big man to fill in for Embiid while he's going to be out over these next four weeks. I just wouldn't know who I just wouldn't know who it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be one. Now, if I said to shake up the NBA, mm-hmm. it would be somehow, some way. <laughs> I know this is crazy. Uh Maxi or Donovan going to the Knicks. Ooh. <laughs> that would definitely shake up the, the NBA. Would that shake would it all up. the way up? Yeah, that would shake it up. I, I, yeah. I like that. I like that. Now, I, yeah. I don't want to necessarily hurt the 76ers but again, they might be they might be behind the ball and be being hurt, especially if he's out for the season. Yep. You know, I think yeah. they're still playing it, but I, I don't. I, I don't think the odds are in his favor that he's going to play again this year. But right, you know, who, who who really knows? I mean, medicine is way more way more advanced now than it has been in. Years past, so anything's possible. But that tiger bomb, getting some yeah. of that official tiger bomb, some that that that, uh, that, that, uh, that Korean that Korean tiger bomb. We need a good, <laughs> just the overseas, right? Yeah, the good stuff. The good stuff. Right. Robots, it ain't robots us no more. It ain't robots yeah. us. Anymore. Yeah, just just tussing. Right. Um. But yeah, for me, um, <clears throat> I like that. I like that. Uh, that that Knicks move. That then they one big play away. They think yeah. it's Donovan Mitchell. But you know, the weird thing about it is the Cavs not gonna trade Donovan Mitchell because they're on a win streak right now. I think they oh, something. Yeah. yeah. But they won like fifteen straight. Some crazy like yep. that. I gotta yep. look at the stats again. But they they they're not gonna trade him because they're doing well right now. So they why, why rock the boat? Yeah. Why rock the boat? Because actually they're the two seed right now. They won six straight. They're nine and one in their last ten. Yeah. 
So they wouldn't they wouldn't shake it up. But for me, you know, I, again, I talk about my my issues and the ugliness of the league and how uh how everybody has flaws outside of yeah. the championship. Yeah. Like I feel like the Nuggets the only team that's truly buttoned up to the point where they I feel like they are going to be fine. You know, but only the Nuggets, not not Boston either. No, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. I'm going to say why because okay. I, again, I, I did a part. I did a part of this in my third minute lockdown show a couple of weeks ago as well. So I think the same show I did the Doc Rivers thing. So okay. if you haven't seen that, check out the full breakdown. But for me, the top three from a competitive standpoint, because like I said, all these teams have flaws outside of Nuggets. I would say that some of the moves I'd like to see made was Boston get, a, get some quality bench players because their bench is terrible. Their, okay. their starting five is great. But you yep. can't tell me, you see, and tell me that you're going to be able to win with your starters playing well only. You need a, you need a no. couple of quality role players on your bench that can contribute. Because yes. if somebody gets in foul trouble, or somebody gets hurt for a game, whatever the case may be, and you're playing a really good team, you're going to be in problems. You're going to have problems. Yep. So that was, that's one thing. Then we talked about the Bucks. I think they need another solid wing defender, if nothing else, to help, help that okay. defense efficiency rating, because that is in the toilet right now based upon last year and this year. You know, yeah. it's how, how, how ironically things can quickly change by moving one player. Would you yeah. I'll bring Damon? You can't play Divas no more. No. Weird. Weird. But I would think they need at least another solid wing defender when it comes down to uh, their uh, their uh, roster to get another good wing player and a young guy. Um, yeah, maybe a 3 and D wing out and knock down some threes and play some defense, but they need that, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and again, the Suns, uh, same thing with the Boston. They got, they, got, they got three good starters, and that's it. That is <laughs> all. They need quality best players too, and 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 again, and to help the second wave to be able to compete in the West. Because again, outside of you know the Nuggets and hell, maybe the Clippers. I I hate to say it, but maybe the Clippers, if they're healthy, it's not a whole lot of teams that I have could put solid money on that's going to be able to be you know top dollar when it comes down sure. to be competitive. Yep. So I think that um you know if they if they can find their way to find a way to get some good solid role players in the in the building, that will help them. Yeah. But short of that, yeah, I, I, it's really to me it's a, it's like a it's like a two to three team race, and that's ugly. I, I need to be more competitive than that, you know, because yeah. that, that really makes for a boring and predictable playoffs, and you know that's that's not good for ratings or our content. So right. <laughs> we, we need better players. We need better players. We need, need a little shakeup coming to the day line. I guess, of course, I can talk all day about the Lakers what they need to do and what they don't need to do. But I will say this: Daniel Russell has been playing well for lately, and I, I have definitely given him a pass in regards to him playing well this in this past you know month month and a half so unless unless if he can get consistent with that unless it is really something lucrative on the team that's gonna make your team that much better i wouldn't trade him either mm. so i mean again i wouldn't trade him for somebody like a, you know a Dejounte murray who's a streaky player and stuff like right. that i mean i gotta really move the needle can put this team over the hump because again and i this is a guy that gotta be able to play defense can shoot threes and you can be a third legit score if he's not all those things i'm not making that move Mm, okay. I'm not making. It. I just keep the gotcha. team. Okay, because he got more. It's more problems to that team than just just talent. Because they got the talent. It's just it's, it's a bit of coaching issue in there, and too heavily dependent on a 30, 90 year old LeBron and a bunch of other things. It's 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 the the tide is it's shifted. It hadn't shifted the way it needs to, and the, the young guys haven't picked it up like like they need to. And that's the problem. That's the biggest most mm. problem. So we'll see. But yeah, that was my top three. That was my top three uh, trade deadline. Uh, Wishes, and we'll see if things shakes out. Because again, like it's been quiet. I, I haven't even heard any rumors. So either right. some blockbusters, Nothing. it's been happen. quiet, real quiet. So either something blockbusters in the weeds, and the people being real silent about it, or nothing's going to happen at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I feel like. That's wild. See, he said the Knicks are never going to win anything until Dolan is gone. He has a point. Oh man, that's rough. Ooh. CB has a point. 
does. He does. He's trending that way. You cannot treat Charles Oakley and Spike Lee like that and think anything good will come to you. That's a fact. That is a fact. So, oh, yeah, and you, Mark Jackson. Hey, right, that too. That too. So you just keep doing people dirty. Expect expect results. That ain't gonna happen for you. Nope. Ain't gonna happen Every, for you. Everything Let's, you do. Staying on the vein of coaching, right? Mm. Um, there's some things that I want to discuss in regards to the coaching uh trend. And um, and we're gonna flip over to the NFL now. Like I said, we got yeah. my guy Alex Games coming in a few minutes to do our Super Bowl preview. Yeah. So um, we did a, a couple weeks back. We did a head coaching tracker, and uh, we we predicted who we thought it was going to be the coaches for certain teams, right? Yeah. Um, now we all I hit on three. Coach uh, Curry hit on one, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I had I, the people just wrong teams. There you go. There you go. Um, but I, I thought I had Ben Johnson as a lock for the Commanders, and he balked on me. Yes. You want to stay in in Detroit? But uh, so I'd have thank been you, four, Ben. I'd have been four thank out of seven, ben. but hey, you know it is what it is. Thank you. So ben. those were our picks. And uh, this will this will actually you know end up being the guys, Raheem Morrison in 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 uh, Atlanta, uh, David Canales yeah. in Carolina, Antonio Pierce in Raiders, Charter Jim Harbaugh, Mike McDonald for Seattle, Brian Callahan for Tennessee, and Dan Quinn for the Commanders. I did give ca- caveat about Jim. I said I only did it, pick Jim because he hadn't officially said he, he was. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You're yeah. right. You're right about that. Yeah. You're right about that. So Raymond was your second pick. If if. If uh, if uh, I'm laughing about Rainbow, I'm gonna talk about tell you about that in a minute. But oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was your second pick if Jim Harbaugh didn't commit to going to Spros. Yes, I yep. get it. I get that. So with that being said, okay, I, I'm I'm here to speak on some issues I have about coaching hires. Right. Okay. It's one thing. It's one thing for the head coaching hires to be what it is. Like, you know, I, I've been all I've been on the train on the, I've been on that, been an advocate for it, saying this office of pivoting league, office of co- office of coordinator slash office of the head coaches are all the wave now. So, yeah. you know, it was a spike in defensive coaches being hired this cycle, though, ironically, if you know, based upon this list. Like I said, Brahim Morris is a defensive guy, and so the appears a defensive guy, Mike McDonald, and so is Dan Quinn. So four out of seven guys were defensive minded. Yeah. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I more so have an issue, not necessarily who the head guy is, because again, if you if a head man has an acumen for offense, then it, it still can work. Yeah, rock star quarterback, rock star coordinator, then you run the defense, it'll work. But I got an issue. This coaching cycle for head coaching coordinators are rounding out, and after us predicting these hires for head coaches, we're now at the realm of coordinator hires, and this this is what yeah. I found. Now here's a list of high profile coordinators that that were hired in this cycle, right? Guys, I yeah. want to I want to highlight. So these particular guys, you know, are a lot of you know names we've heard before, right? You know, guys, a lot of recycling has been going on from when these head coaches and these coordinator hires. Yep. You know, so I want to get your take on these particular hires real quick, and, see, and you give me your your synopsis of whether or not you think these guys are going to work this go around. Because I'm looking at guys like Arthur Smith. I'm looking at guys like Joe Brady. I'm looking at guys like Greg Roman. I'm looking at guys like Luke Gessie, Kellen Moore, you know, and uh, Cliff Kingsbury. All retreads, all rehires from yeah. previous failed positions in, mm-hmm. in large spaces. So do you think that these guys in the newer situation with a new team and a new lease on life are going to work any better than they have in the past? So I will say also there's been a couple of hires by New England um, that dropped recently uh, right before we jumped on. Uh, shady show, man, shady show, especially <laughs> Kurt. Rich, Rich, it's always good seeing you, sir. You make us you make us smile so much when, with your presence. Uh, yeah, 
So yes, he did get a lot of Browns. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. So I'll say where I think there's something there's something positive there. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna start with the Bills. Joe Brady, what we saw once he took over, how he was able to, for one, break the turnover streak that Josh Allen had, mm-hmm. and how he shifted the offense. We saw the production of James Cook go up. Mm-hmm. We saw the 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 turnovers from Josh go down and the the going talking about coaching. We saw the Bills, unlike the Milwaukee Bucks, we saw when the change happened, the Bills actually looked better offensively. Right? Yeah, they're one of the few, but go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll say Joe Brady, positive hire, good position change. Uh, I think he's learned from his other positions. And and for the most part, Joe Brady's been looked at, thought of very high when it comes to an offensive-minded positional coach. Okay. So good there. I'm going to go out on the limb and say I think Arthur Smith going into an offensive coordinator position mm-hmm. is better suited for him than the head coaching position. Uh, when looking at certain things and from doing certain analysis, I'm going to say I think Arthur Arthur Smith going to Pittsburgh is going to be is going to be a positive once they figure out their quarterback situation and what happens there. I think with a quality veteran quarterback Russell Wilson, uh, they will <laughs> change the landscape and Arthur it? Smith <laughs> and Arthur Smith could be a very strong um offensive coordinator i'm not listen i'm not i'm not down on Pickett, but now that he's going into his junior technically his junior nfl year this Mm -hmm. is normally the make or break year for quarterbacks and so we're going to see because if mason rudolph can make you be forgotten that says a lot that does Um, that says a lot now i will say I'm stronger, and here's my last positive. I'm stronger on the defensive coordinator than I am technically on the offensive coordinator, but the offensive coordinator has had success. That is with the Eagles. I think Vic Fangio. Oh, yeah, I think that's a slam dunk. That's a slam dunk. With that defense, uh, I don't want to talk too much about that defense because coaches start drooling, especially because when we start talking about Jordan Davis and, you know, and Jay McCarter, there's a certain yeah. twinkle, even though he has shades on, that happens to pop in his eye when those two uh, are starting to be discussed. But I think Vic Fangio will be able to right the ship that happened last year or, or this past season with the prior coordinator leaving. We did see a total different defense. We're talking about 70 sacks, ferocious, big play, slay, multiple turnovers. Uh, happening to this defense being pedestrian at best this year. They couldn't – you basically was trying to hold water in uh, uh, the, a leaky boat. A leaky boat, right? Yeah. The fruit basket that you filter, that you had a better chance uh, doing that. Now, Kellen Moore, I'm interested to see. Uh, That's messed up, Rich. Yeah. Messed up. <laughs> wow. That's messed up. Wow. We yeah, don't move on past that. That's that. Ooh, that's spicy. That's is. spicy right there. But yeah, I think Kellen Moore a special affinity for Russell Wilson. But go ahead. Yeah, now. yeah. Uh, Kellen Moore. He was successful with Dak. 
Um, in San Diego, I, 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 when it comes to San Diego, I'm always LA, worried. LA, LA, yeah. LA. I'm, I'm concerned of how much he was able to actually implement what he desired with having Staley as the head coach. Right. I think so that was I, the biggest, most glaring negative that, 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 uh, that was a problem for yeah that whole yeah. team it's, and it's just, and it's like success or lack thereof. Yeah. So I, I think Kellen Moore can be uh, with the head coach there. I think he's going to allow Kellen Moore to be innovative. I think he's going to allow Kellen Moore to um, be creative. I'm just concerned if AJ Brown is still there. That's a caveat. Yes. Yeah. Now, when looking at the others, I'm, Listen, the commanders, uh, we have a certain, I'll say we, uh, speaking for coach, there's a certain there's a certain vitriol in that situation uh, with them, offensive coordinator. Joe Witt, listen. Uh, I mean, that's name only because Dan Quinn going to be calling defense, so we're not even Yeah, yeah that's, that's why I was like, eh. You know, looking at the Jaguars, hey, Ryan Nelson, I – I don't know that much about him. I don't know how impactful, but hopefully he helps them because I think they are a coordinator away. We know offensively they're strong. Defensively, if they can get on par, the Jaguars can make noise. Uh, Jack Haley, or Hatley, is, oh no, Haley, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, with the maturation of love in that offense, those young receivers growing together, all they need is a strong, uh, a quality defense, and they're going to make some noise. Yep. Now, Ken Dorsey, listen, <laughs> I look, I, I don't know what the hell to say about that. Uh, you were released uh-huh. for another coordinator who turned your offense around, and now you are sending that coordinator to the Browns. Yeah, you know, hey. Wishing well, I'll, I'll say that. There's only so many spots, and if you can keep a job, I'm not for anybody getting fired per se. So hey, Ken, you got a you got another lease on life. Um, and then with the Falcons, remains to be seen. New head coach coming in. You know he wants his people there that he trusts, he believes in, and so we're going to see what Jimmy Lake and Zach Robinson are all about. Uh, I'm interested to hear your take and i'll throw it over to you i'm interested to hear your take on greg roman and marcus brady as the oc and what do you know about jesse mentor but that's that's my takes on on the coordinators uh the positives and the ones that are head scratchers for me okay well i mean i just just as you asked i'll start with that because uh they because it's been going back and forth about who's going to be the oc because again when they talk greg roman's name and rumors they, uh, you know, it wasn't a guarantee he was going to be the OC. Um, okay. You know, they gave him, uh, an ass- they said in the, the rumors were an assistant advisory role, um, okay. uh, offensive assistant, or maybe a run game coordinator uh, role. It was going to be his role. And Marcus Brady was going to be the pass game coordinator. So they, maybe they want to work in tandem and then gotcha. we'll have OC overseeing the whole business, right? Okay. But um, the report I just read today, ironically, um, is uh, Greg Roman's going to likely be the OC. Mm. Um, ironically and personally, I don't like it. Mm. Um, it might work in a, in a stretch the way Jim Harbaugh wants to play football. Okay. But, um, it does, does not benefit us to Herbert, in my opinion, because okay. Greg Roman is really, really good. 
um, from a run game perspective. Like he's okay. he's top tier. Like I think that he's one of the, if you want to classify in the game right now, one of the probably maybe one of the top ten, top five run game uh, coordinators that is in football, right? Especially in the pros. Um, but he lacks the acumen of passing. So now I don't know mm. if Marcus Gray is gonna gonna feel that deficiency. Um, right. Kind of hope the idea of getting that more modernized and, and, and create a more balanced attack from Austin, okay. because I've been preaching since Justin Herbert got drafted that we need a balanced running game to go along with his with his you know unique and elite passing ability. So okay. if they're going to work in tandem and, and create that, then I'm, I'm okay with it. But Greg Roman alone, we saw what he was with Lamar Jackson in his in his first three years. True. Um, you know, very very well versed in running and top tier in that. But you know, he the reason why he got ousted, in my opinion, he just liked the refinement of his passing game. You okay. know, so I think that was that was that's a knock on him, you know, in his illustrious career. I think he's really good at that niche. But he, his fact that he's being a progressive passing coordinator is 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 lacking. At least it has been in the past. So like okay. I said, you know, he that might be a, a detriment, and maybe Marcus Brady will fill that void. Now, Jesse Miller, I think that's a slam dunk. I mean, he was the defense coordinator for Michigan. So I think that um him along with Harbaugh being there, I think that that particular hire is a slam dunk. And I think they got that particular side of the ball right. And I think Jesse, along with the new strength condition coordinator we have, are gonna are gonna be rock stars. I'm not concerned about it at all. I was happily I'm very happy and glad that he actually hired those two. Um, those guys in and they were the first two announcements after he got okay. hired that they were gonna do. So I'm completely fine with that, but that particular aspect of it. Jesse coaches a hard nosed tough defense, and they they actually brought a D-line coach over from Michigan too. He's gonna he's gonna be a part of the staff. So I think that they they the side of the ball on defense is gonna be taken care of. I'm I'm very happy about the highs there. Only question I have is about Roman his passing game ability. So again, you got a elite quarterback, you gotta let him loose. You know, it's all good and fine, Danny be able to run the ball, but he gotta put the ball in the air at some point. Right. So uh, that particular aspect of it, I'm I'm curious, but we'll we'll see, we'll okay. see. But um, but yeah, that, that was my that was my feelings about the Chargers hires. Now, getting to this other business and these other uh, interesting hires, I'm gonna call it interesting. Guys, I give my take. <laughs> Starting with the Bears, the Bears hiring Shane Waldron. What the and, hell? Uh, yeah, again, and I think that you know, I, how does he handle? You know, and, I, and I'm looking at it from a perspective of where you're at right now. You're in, a, you're really in the in proverbial catbird seat of who you would draft and who you want as your new quarterback, right? Right. Um. You know, and it could, it's rumors that they could end up with three first round picks and they could really change their fortune. So, do you really want to hit your wagon? Is my Eberflus's uh, status of being head coach of the futures is up in the air? Do you really want to hit your wagon to Shane Waldron being your office coordinator? When that's been your problem in the large stretch, you you, you started to pick up the, the defensive side of the ball on you know, and that's your niche from able for his perspective. Do you really want Shane right. Walton, you know, dictating whether or not you get you get hired, you get re, you know, you get reinstated or fired this year? I don't know. It doesn't even sound innovative. It doesn't. It doesn't. And again, if you're gonna have Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jay, whoever you you're gonna be quarterback, even if they bring Justin Fields back, do you really want to hit your wagon to Shane Walton being your OC? I don't like it. I don't like that aspect of it. I don't. Um, so that's a problem for me. I don't. I think that was a wild hire. And again, right. and I'm with you guys on the same thing about the Ken Dorsey hire. I think that you know his fairies in Buffalo, um, you know, are definitely glaring. But this is a, this is the only thing I kind of give it a pass because you also got to realize that Steph Harris is going to be the play caller, so it might not matter much here. Right. Because again, he just might be a a a, a, a position coach in name only, but Steph Harris is going to be one calling the plays. It was kind of, would kind of be like a day ball in him situation in, in Buffalo a few years ago, where day ball right. called the plays and he was a quarterback coach. So, right. you know, so it, it may not matter, but it's still it's still an odd hire that he was oh, he's the OC. That's your choice. Yeah. When you're trying to get back to, you know, playing playoff football. Interesting True. and weird. 
in all in all aspects of it. And then and then Luke Getzey. Did we not just see him fail miserably in Chicago? Mm. Like, like, what are we doing here? Like, like mm. Luke Getzey is your is your choice graders? Like, seriously? Yeah. I was it was a pivot because you lost out on Cliff Kingsbury, which I, I question that in its own right as well. I question Luke. I question the Cliff Kingsbury hire, but I really questioning the Luke Getzey hire. Like, like. You didn't think you didn't think that was, that was your second choice. Luke Getzey was your second choice. You see how miserably he failed with Justin Fields in in Chicago. That's your choice, and you don't even know who your quarterback is. That's no another you know ball of wax. So I I don't like the Luke Getzey hire either. I think that's that's strange. And um, <clears throat> and like I said, we talk I talk about the charges uh, in that particular uh, aspect of it, how I feel about Greg Roman, um, but Arthur Smith. Like, did we not watch the travesty of justice that happened in Atlanta? Like, I would argue that again, he's 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 much like you know Greg Roman. He's really decent at calling, you know, a good run game. At least if he had Derrick Henry, right. but he still lacks the acumen to have a dynamic passing game. That's problem one. Which again, it's not a current, you know, he's not current and up to date on that one. Again, he was a complete object fairy and couldn't utilize B. John Robinson just properly to save his life in Atlanta. That's problem two. So, do you really think that you know Mike Tomlin's perspective, who he's got questions at quarterback? You got a dual running back situation. You're still trying to rebuild your line. Do you think that Arthur Smith is going to change your fortune that much? Is going to make you that more formidable and get back into the com- championship conversation? I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. So that that's the problem I had with that. Um, I don't know why Arthur Smith was the hire there either. Um, and Cliff Kingsbury. You right. Know, talking to Cliff Kingsbury, I'm gonna say thing same thing about Kellen Moore. I think that he's is make or break for Nick Sirianni. I think that if Kellen Moore does not work, he's gonna get Nick Sirianni fired. So mm. that's a lot of pressure. That was a lot of pressure. Now he, he he did work well in Dallas. Like I said, the the dysfunction that was in LA is this may not be on him. So this is going to be a real telltale sign of whether or not they can really uh if Kellen Moore can coach or not. Because this will tell you based upon who he has as a quarterback, who he has a receivers, who he has his O line his run game was all in, in, in place and intact. There's no dysfunction there. If he can coach, he'll save Nick Sarahani's tail. If he can't, and both of them won't be out after this year. And you may not mm-hmm. ever see Kellen Moore get a job from my aspect perspective. But then that leads me to leads me to Cliff Kingsbury. A very weird hire. Very weird hire, in my opinion. Now, this might okay. all hinge on the idea that they really think that this might be a relationship thing where right. if they feel like, feel like they got a real good shot of getting Caleb Williams, and he was mm-hmm. he was he has, has a really good relationship with Caleb, and they want him to coach him in the pros. Could be one of those things that didn't that didn't. Didn't reason why the Cardinals hired Cliff is what because he had a relationship with Kyler Murray. Isn't that reason why? Is that, am I, am I, am I, do I have that right? I, I'm trying to remember. Well, the uh, Kingsbury have a relationship with Kyler Murray prior to him coming into the league when he was in Arizona. Uh, did he? Have, I think I think he did. I think that was one of the reasons why he got hired that he had a relationship. Okay, I would with, say he did. Yeah. So yeah, again, yeah. you get hired based upon your relationship with the quarterback that you're going to draft. That could be the only reason why he got this job. Because again, you had Eric being me in house, and we've seen the misgivings of Kingsbury in, in in Arizona. You know, again, he wasn't winning national titles in college, right? You again, you you got a two time Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator in your building already, and you trade him all for a guy that uh, hasn't won. Any but one season in the league, and he barely made the playoffs, and he got ousted bad in the playoffs. Right. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a real head scratcher for me as well. Again, you got a, a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator, and then and a, a coach with a losing record. 
that that's definitely something that's a head scratcher to me. And again, this has to be a play for Kyle. It's, it's weird. It kind of reminds me of this. And Allison loved this. It kind of reminds me of the play that the Broncos did a couple of years ago when they hired uh, a Hackett, thinking they were going to get Aaron Rodgers. They're going to lure Aaron Rodgers to, to Denver. When it didn't happen, it kind of left you holding the bag. So let's say hypothetically the Bears don't move off the first pick and they get Caleb and they are stuck with the next available quarterback, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whatever the case may be, and it don't work. Anyway, right. what? Right. Is is Cliff out of a job? Mm. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So he said he was the OC of a and when he was at a And M. Okay, perfect. All right. So yeah. So there. So there you have it. So I, I, I those are the ones that really are head scratchers for me. I, the Zach Robinson thing, I think it should be okay. That's a McVay, a disciple. So the Falcons should be better offensively. They just need to find a quarterback. Mm. Um, you know, the, we talk about Ken Dorsey and his placeholderness. I don't have an issue with the Packers. The Jack was higher. Um, talk about the charges. So I talk about everybody else. So yeah, I think that's where it lands for me. I just really got it. I just really have an issue with the idea that you hiring these guys when you know they're retreads and they've failed in other spots versus giving guys that have had success or have uh, innovative minds a chance, like college right. coaches. There's certain right. college out there. I'm sure would love to come to the pros, and you're not giving them chances based upon the fact that you were going with the the devil you know that's been a lead coach versus giving a college coach a chance. Right. I, think that's, I think that's backwards. I think that's backwards. Again, it should be a national matriculation. If these guys don't work out in the league, you know, they need maybe need to figure, figure out something different to do as far as a, a positional coach in perspective. You know, if I'm an OC and I don't work out well, maybe I need to be a quarterback coach. If right. I'm a, if I'm a DC and that's not working out for me, maybe I need to be a linebacker coach. But again, you know, figure something else out that's kind of will work better for you and you can excel at and let these guys come in that's new blood and new and new minds, young minds. And let them and let them coach and give them a shot because again these retreads to me it, you just you cycling the same bad behavior and expecting different results. Mm. Mm. So, Good point. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. But that being again, that's my biggest issue when it comes down to these hires because I don't outside of a few that you know kind of makes sense. I think that you're only doing it out of fear that you know if you don't hire a guy that with some type of skin in the game that you're going to ultimately get fired. Right. That's where it lands. That's where it lands for me. But um, but yeah. So let's jump in, man. Let's start here, man. Let's bring in our guy. Let's bring in our guy, Alex Givens. What up? What up? What up? Big, big time. Big time. Right? Big time right? <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's Thank get to you. our Thank you. let's get to our Super Bowl preview here. Appreciate yeah, everybody in the chat that came through uh to see Alex. You know, they, they you know he he brought a few folks with him. Well, but, that's uh, what happens, you know, with the Chiefs. They normally going to bring a couple people with them. They roll deep. They roll deep. That's what I just going to say the same thing. So, yeah. So, they, don't uh, know how, they don't know how to go to any other place besides Super Bowls and AFC championships. That's kind of the norm. Apparently. Hey, knock on wood. Hope it keeps going. Been yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. So, yeah. Like I said, we got a guy, Alex Givens, here from Arrowhead Addict. Um and uh, you know, uh, my co-star, my co-host on the on Light the Fast Fantasy Football Podcast, Aaron, each and every NFL season. So uh we are here. We are definitely uh what we had, what, five days away from the Super Bowl here. I think that's yep. accurate. So um we had our guy uh Air Retro DK5 last week on to talk about the Niners perspective. Now we're gonna bring Alex on to talk about the Chiefs perspective and what the Chiefs keys to victory are and how they're gonna secure their third Super Bowl in the Mahomes era. So mm. And Rich, Alex. this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say Rich is number hey, one. 
<laughs> I've had enough exposure to Rich to, you yeah. know. You are the vibe. Yeah. You are the vibe, right? Rich is, number, Rich is number one in my heart. <laughs> indeed. Okay. Indeed. So, yeah. So, we, you know, Alex, you know, starting with you, let's talk about, you know, the Chiefs uh, road to get here. Uh, you know, it's been some bumps in the road and some, uh, I guess you can say some uh, some fortune to be had in certain aspects. So give me your uh, perspective on the the Chiefs' road to the Super Bowl and uh, what do you feel like is going to – what is going to take be out of the Hotel Lombardi on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, start off by uh, pointing out the obvious and, you know, this run for the Chiefs was definitely uh, a different flavor than how it's been, you know, in the past four to five years. I mean – First time in Mahomes era, you know, AFC game wasn't played at Arrowhead. Uh, you know, go in as the three seed, have to play, well, Dolphins at home, but then have to, you know, take out the Bills and the Ravens on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, definitely I'd say this is more of the uh, – definitely a more battle-tested team, you know, in terms of what they had to go through through the whole season and the playoffs to get here um, compared to years past. Uh, it's interesting, though, you know, I was on – a show, a 49er show yesterday with the Ted Talks Ball channel. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that it seemed like both these teams kind of had a similar stretch, um, you know, with during the season, um, you know, and, and both ended up, I mean, granted, I know 49ers were the number one seed and kind of steamrolled their way into that. But at the same time, you know, they had that three-game skid or three or four-game skid in the middle of the season. Everyone was mm-hmm. talking about, you know, oh, is Brock Purdy finally exposed? Like, are they done? You know, and and the doubt started knocking on the door. And the same thing happened with the Chiefs. I mean, I think there was a solid four-week span of everyone was saying, you know, all the big heads on national media are saying that Mahomes is cooked and exposed and this is the downfall of the dynasty. And then, you know, what happens? He takes all that, all the hate, all the, uh, you know, negativity about his game and just goes out and proves everyone wrong and does – you know, you know, it's like, well, he hasn't won on the road, so he, they probably won't. And then he does. And well, he, he doesn't win, you know, when they turn the ball over and and then he just plays turnover free football all postseason. And, you know, we've had guys that haven't really stepped up in the regular season that have made crucial plays, you know, through this postseason run. And I think that's kind of a testament to you know, Andy Reid and how this team has run, you know, continu- continues to set all year like we're not going to get new guys like we trust our guys, the receivers we have or, you know, who we need. And we've seen kind of that come full circle, you know, at this point to get back to the ultimate goal. So pretty, pretty sick run. <laughs> yeah. 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 Unconventional to say the least. But uh, and I think you can actually argue that that's been the last two seasons for you guys. Because, again, you know, we talked about, you know, on different shows about how, uh, you know, it was going to be different for you guys when you traded Tyreek, you know, and yeah. all you, all I mean, you they did, were done. <laughs> yeah, they were cooked. They were cooked, right? Um, you know, so you can't you can't win without uh, you know, your your big, you know, nuclear weapon of a receiver, right? So they just, you know, refined the offense and, and did things differently, made it more methodical in a sense, you know, didn't 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 lose a whole lot, you know, from offensive numbers perspective in in the last season and, and found themselves back into the Super Bowl. Um and you know, won in 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 in, in glowing fashion. And then, um, you know, we get into this season, you know, where it was a, mainly a running back season and more experience season for the team because, you know, your your rookies were were seasoned. They won a Super Bowl. They got the ultimate level of experience. And uh, then you get a Chris Jones holdout. 
Then you get a uh, then you get an injury to Travis Kelsey right before the first game, so he doesn't play, and he seems yeah. to be have uh, you know fulfilling the effects of you know the age and and the injury you know kind of catching up to him. So he took a took a while to get himself going, but lo and behold, look what happened. He gets himself going right at the right time in the playoffs, and all of a sudden he's back to you know. And we love he right? vintage Trav, dude. Yeah, that is right place, right it's time. Because I've almost said it, it seemed like the Chiefs, you know, in weeks really probably 13, 14 on, were kind of like conserving him because he'd only get four targets a game. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, game one against Miami, he gets 10. You know, against the Ravens, he's 11 for 11. So it's like very obvious that they had him in mindset for the long haul, not necessarily you know, through this, through the whole season. And I mean, he even sat out for that Chargers game to not continue a streak of a thousand yards. So, I mean, I think goes to show you kind of the thought process with him and his age, but I mean, yeah, he's, his stat line and in, in the playoffs is insane career wise. And he's just continuing on that, you know, in this run. So. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, you know, hit, hit right place, right time, hit this stride. All of a sudden uh, Valdez Scali can catch passes and, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, Pacheco comes back. He's finally healthy. You know, he was banged up in a certain stretch of the in the back end of the season. So, uh, you know, everything was was clicking and would hold hold held the team together. And what was the glue of the whole dynamic? You know, to Ridge's point was the defense. You know, the defense yeah. started all year. You know, I think the number one scoring defense in, in the entire league for the whole entire season. Um, you know, again, I agree. You know, it wasn't. Uh, you know. I guess you can say you know two thousand Ravens like, but they in this day and age they're about as as efficient and as, as, as dynamic as you can get with all the rule changes, right? So Man. that was the glue that held everything down and allowed for things to kind of come together and, and and piece together when it comes down to the offensive side. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely uh, interested to you know get your take on what happened in the playoffs and what you feel like you know happened in the Bills game. And of course, the the Dolphins game wasn't another talk about it. I mean, it was, it was super cold. The Dolphins weren't built for that kind of weather. So we all kind of yeah. knew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is what it is, right? Like but The Osmakers yeah. really had not losing to the Bills and the Ravens. So, you know, give me your give me your perspective on that in, in, in those games and how you think that, you know, the uh, I guess the Mahomes magic was able to take shape and allow y'all to make it all the way to uh, Vegas for this uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, you kind of just hit on it, though, Coach. I, I mean, the biggest reason they are where they are is the defense. And I think that's kind of consistently overlooked, um, you know, just because of the kind of aura that is Patrick Mahomes. But honestly, most of the Mahomes magic has just been not doing what he did at times in the regular season. And that's, you know, putting points on the board for the other team with a pick or, you know, turning the ball over in negative yardage and immediately putting the uh, you know, the opposing team in the red zone. And like I said, I mean, turnover-free football this whole playoff. Knock on wood, keep that going. Um, But that's been a huge factor in just kind of letting the defense go out and continue to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually interesting that you mentioned the Ravens because I I made sure to note the stat for all these uh, spots I'm doing. (laughs) But, you know, KC's defense is in, in the same company of the 2000 Ravens, 2002 Bucks, 2005 Steelers and 2010 Packers as the only teams to give up less than 28 points throughout the whole season, including the playoffs. Amen. So, I mean, they're, they, they are up there a little bit in terms of, you know, what they bring to the table and shutting teams down. I mean, they were huge. The, the sole reason they beat the Ravens. Um, Cause I mean, they, I mean, offense didn't do anything in the second half they Had under a hundred yards, didn't score a point, but uh, you know, and, 
And I do think some of that game came down to kind of just the composure and who's been there before, as we see from, you know, Zay Flowers and Raquan Smith and all the other stuff that was going on. Um, but at the same time, that defense, you know, shut down the peripheral number one offense that was supposed to be unstoppable and was talked about all week going into that game. And really the only thing that happened was Zay Flowers got open on a broken play and then, you know, talked his ish and karma came back full hey, swing. Somebody, <laughs> and, and that was kind of the staple of like, you know, this isn't the same Chiefs defense. Old right. Chiefs defense would give up a touchdown. It'd be a sweaty ass game and Mahomes yep. would pull something out, out of the hat and, you know, put points back on the board and we'd be good. But, you know, that's what's different with this team is that defense is so locked down and really outside of the, the Bills playoff game, they've been locked down all, you know, all playoffs. Pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> locked down. Locked down defense, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that that's been the biggest reason. And then Mahomes is just and I mean, he's he's said it himself, and I think that comes to the, you know, kind of maturity and the leadership that he has and that he's accepted, you know, I have a ball and ass defense. Like, I don't need to go out and score 40 points. I don't need to throw for 400 yards. I just got to move the ball and not put them in bad situations. And when that happens, they, you know, are pretty unstoppable. Okay. Okay. Kurt. Uh, you know, give me your uh, uh taking your get your feedback to what Alice has been uh putting down so far, and tell me exactly what are your thoughts on the Chiefs at this very moment as they go into uh the what's this the third Super Bowl in five years? Yep, yep. four, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right because they didn't make one, but then they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right, got it. Yeah, got it. okay. Yeah. Um, he's been spot on. Uh, great analysis, great overview of what has been highlighted. Um. As as was stated, and from people, you know, from from those in the comments, and and stated here, is that Mahomes realized that if they don't outscore us, they can't beat us. So compared to what could have been of let me be Superman, let me put myself above the team, let me take a step back and realize let me keep dancing with who got us here, which mm -hmm. is a defense. Mm -hmm. And if the defense is balling, the defense is controlling, the defense is dominating. As long as I don't give a team more opportunities to score, they won't score. And so I know this word is a buzzword and people have gone back and forth with it. Uh, but as I was listening, I said to myself, Mahomes became a great game manager. He realized that he didn't have to make the wild play. He had to just make the winning play. And if the winning play was check down, if the winning play was being very methodical, if the winning play was, uh, hey, I will use my legs not to do something crazy, but just keep the chains moving, right? I think that's what we saw against the Ravens. Uh, that was one mm -hmm. thing that we saw against the Ravens. I told people that the Chiefs did a, a death by a thousand cuts. Any defense, you will press when it seems that every third down, the team is getting the first down. It's a, it's a, it's a type of pressure 
that gets you anxious. It's a type of pressure that becomes frustrating and it puts you in a place where you 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 feel like there's nothing you can do because it's third and two. They get another first down. No defense likes five, seven, nine play drives. Right. They don't. And Mahomes was smart enough to realize that, hey, I am going to keep moving the chains. I'm going to keep us getting first downs. That means you're going to have less time to make a difference. You're going to have less moments to make a play. And what's going to end up happening is you're going to press, and that's going to help our defense because you're going to want to go for the big play, and our defense is good enough to not allow the big play to happen. All I have to do is not turn over the ball and not make a play that that changes and swings the momentum. And so – with that being the case, I also think they became very strategic down the stretch, right? And we all know when playoff football, everybody's 0-0. Everybody, you get a second, it's a second season. So everything that you've learned and seen in the first season, you can correct in the second season. And I think the Chiefs also became, they utilize what any great team does they utilize the naysayers and the negatives to bring them closer together can the chiefs win on the road what's going to happen with them not having the the championship go through arrowhead can mahomes play away from home right and he proved that and the team proved that and then like i said they became very strategic because they did make certain decisions and they did it masterfully they sat certain players. They made the offense, instead of forcing the offense to go through certain people, they said, who's the people that are consistent and we'll just utilize them. They also became very smart with highlighting more of their their their, their big package. You saw Justin Watson pause, become more. Pause. 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 Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. They, they, uh, the you saw Justin, yeah. You saw Justin Watson become more integral, right? He started to help Travis Kelsey. He started to become a third down key contributor. You saw Rasheed Rice become a a, a, a dog. dog, (laughs) I mean, I can't, I don't know how many and, and Alex helped me out, but I want to say the second half of the season, Rice had multiple hundred yard games. That is yeah, he was he was a yeah. myself. Yes, I know we we yeah. talked about him on the fantasy show yes. a lot uh, for a long stretch. But yeah, I mean he he set the Chiefs franchise record for most receiving yards by a rookie. I think he was only like thirty behind uh, Kelsey. He had like nine forty or something. Yeah. He just kind of lacked in the touchdown department. But at the same time, he's he's gotten the kind of the short end of the stick because I think he's had two or three called back. I mean, we saw one called back in the Ravens game on that yep. hold the clubbing hold on yeah. the screen, but yeah. you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, I mean, he's been kind of uh to be the, what I mean, six receiver, six or seventh receiver off the board, in the second round and get mm-hmm. that production out of them. It, it's been a pleasant surprise. And honestly, you know, something they've definitely needed, um, you know, given the issues with MVS and during the year. And, and I mean, there is a stretch where, teams knew like, oh, they don't have a 1B option here. So all we got to do is just sit around Kelsey and and they're not going to know what else to do. And 
you know, and you saw them grow from that by, you know, running the ball more, obviously, you know, feeding Pacheco who just destroys the ground that he steps on. But, uh, you know, like they've emphasized that and, and, you know, that's helped open things up more for him compared to early in the season. You'd see him just, it'd be like two pass attempts and, oh, next thing you know, eight seconds was burned off the clock and it's third and 10. Oh, let's run a screen. (laughs) And, and, you know, just the dumb, dumb stuff like that, that went on and, and you saw him mature and progress from that as they figured out kind of who their guys were. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And I'll say, and I'll say this, they played into the chiefs hands. Here's the thing. And I, and I'm, we're, we're not talking about the Super Bowl yet, are we? No, we're going to get to that next. Okay. Yeah. So I'll say this. They played into the Chiefs' hands, and I'm going to get to it uh, when we get to our Super Bowl segment. But the Chiefs showed what happens when you've been there before and you've, yeah. you've gone through the pedigree mm-hmm. of being in big play games, knowing that you have – a quarterback that as long as there's two minutes on that clock, you have a chance and you have an opportunity. And then you combine that with Spags. Listen, you talking about somebody who called a, who has been calling a masterful defensive game and dialing up blitzes right on time. Give him su- supreme credit. <laughs> yeah. Vegas with him, man. He's in yes. there. You need to get in. <laughs> yeah, and then with Andy, we know what Andy and I. I like this. I really believe that they got into that offensive room, and they said, "Let's dial down all the gimmick plays and all the loop de loops and the you know the flea flickers and all that. Let's get back to fundamental bat, uh, football." As yeah. you said, Alex, they gave it to Pacheco. They let him become a featured back. And we talked about this last week. I don't know if there's another back in the NFL right now that runs as angry, determined, oh, and angry like he's person. fighting. Yes. His, he, his, he really, his like initial quickness is, I think, unmatched in this league. Yes. Like, just he's, the way, like he's got such a quick twitch. Yes. He he's really playing like Andy's coming in there every week and saying, you know we're going to cut you this week. Right. Yeah, if you don't play. And he's <laughs> right. been he's been doing that. But I really think Andy dialed back and said, hey, let's get back to just traditional football. We'll get to we know we can do the gimmick plays. Right. But let's get back to the mm-hmm. plays that work. Let's yeah. get back, play our game. And when we get to the second, when we get to that second season, we know we're a team that can come together. But I, I really believe that Mahomes said and figured out. If they don't score, they don't beat us. And with that defense flying around the way they are, as fast as they are, and what we saw in the Ravens game is that if you're not smart enough to switch your offense to become (laughs) run dominant, please Mm -hmm. don't think you're going to pass on us. That's a fact. And that was the most glaring thing to me. And we're coming down to the game plan. And they said that if they're, if they, if we understand that they're a running team, and I think they kind of planned on it being a long day for them running the ball, because again, it was bad weather and, yeah. and it was, you know, it was a nasty game. You know, even it was a turf field, it was a nasty game. So you feel like we've got to pack our lunch. It's going to be a long, you know, you know, board meeting kind of day for them right. running the ball. And then, but if they do get into a situation, we can't force them to pass. 
We're going to get up in their grill. We're going to press their receivers. Our corners are better than their receivers, and we're going to pressure uh, Lamar Jackson to make him get rid of the ball fast, and not, and nobody's going to be open, most likely, and that's going to be our claim to fame, and that's what happened. And it just so happens yes. that the Ravens decided on to double down on the idea that we're going to throw the ball even more you know, than they thought we were going to throw it. Yeah. You know, so that played, to Kurt's point, that played right into the Chiefs game plan hands because, again, you know, you think it was going to be a long day and having, it was going to be a challenge stopping the run, but they didn't know it. So no. you played right to the idea of They the, handed it off to running back six times. Six times. In the regular season, in any other game that they played, they ran it to running backs. Like 12, like at least double that. Yeah, yeah like 15 times. So yeah, that's, it, that's wild. And I think we saw how fast the Chiefs really are. I yeah, think yeah. that's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. The Ravens yeah. game showed how fast the Chiefs, and I'm not talking about just in their secondary. Uh, Alex, who's the who's the one linebacker outside of uh, um, your main Bolden? Who's the other linebacker? That was Tranquil. Um, it was pretty Tranquil. Oh, yeah. I don't know where he came from. I don't know who he is. Didn't bring him back. I was just about to say that that is literally that Ravens game because without Drew Tranquil, like they, I don't think they're as successful as they were at stopping Lamar. Because normally that'd be Willie Gay, and he was injured, uh, or at least you know not a hundred percent. And Tranquil was able to take that spiral, and I mean he he's a former college safety, so you knew he had the quickness to (laughs) to get there, and I mean he did. So I mean that. That is a clutch signing in the offseason because he and, has been something they've needed all year. And he did very well covering the tight ends, which had been yeah. integral for the yeah. Ravens. But I saw one play when he ran with Mark Andrews, and he was step for step right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so I don't know what the Chargers missed, but I tell you what. Put it all on him, and in fact, yeah. they didn't have to sign that man. Because again, he didn't yeah. tell him happy birthday. So yeah, another a bunch of other misgivings that they, they did in his tenure. But we, you know, we're not gonna cry with spill milk. <laughs> we yeah. we're not the Chiefs right now. So yeah, right. So yeah. get into get into the Super Bowl itself. Like I said, we are we are here. Oh. You know, it, it is Super Bowl time. Vegas skyline looking good. Like I said, we got our guy Alex Givens here to talk about the Super Bowl preview, exactly what we think is going to happen in regards to this game. So let's start, let's get in, get into the actual game itself, and let's talk about, the, you know, our predictions for the actual game. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a highly contested matchup. It's two teams that have, you know, strong suits in different areas. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Alex, you know, tell me exactly what is your feeling about this game, and what do you feel like the Chiefs need to do to secure their, their, their third Lombardi trophy in the Mahomes era? Yeah. I think I want to start by saying the uh, the most poetic justice moment of the Super Bowl is the fact that uh, the Raiders' home field is painted with Chiefs colors, and, and they're in their home <laughs> locker room right now. Right. You know? So right. they got to watch the Chiefs do what they, you know, are wanting to do someday in their own stadium. I think that's pretty sick. Um, <laughs> but – uh, I mean, yeah, this game, I think, I think you know, kind of the premier matchup you want for a Super Bowl. Um, and I, I said this yesterday, I, I kind of feel that both these teams match up in, in an almost perfect way where, you know, Chiefs defense is obviously man coverage heavy, very successful in that, whereas, you know, Brandon Ayuk is notoriously a man coverage beater or, 
you know, they're not very good at the against the run, and Christian McCaffrey is obviously in God mode. Uh, <laughs> you know, 49ers are very successful, cover three, cover four defense, and Travis Kelsey is a zone just beater machine. So, you know, I it's just what these teams are successful at is kind of what the other team is, is like their Achilles heel to some degree. So I do expect this to be a pretty – um, you know, I don't I don't think we're looking at like this, that Rams Patriots Super Bowl where it's like six to three at half. And, you know, it comes down to an ugly 10-6 win or something. like. I, I think that we'll see some points on the board and some big defensive plays uh, just kind of with the star power that both these teams have. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of my view as as the matchups, you know, as a whole. Um, I think the biggest thing. You know, I I said this yesterday, the biggest thing I in this game, I think the biggest key factor is who's kind of dominating the edge um, and creating more pressure uh, with these two teams. Because I think ultimately that's what it's going to come down to, um, you know, to get after Purdy and hope that you, you know, either speed up his cerebral clock or, or get after him and create pressure and ultimately turnovers um, at the same time. You know, that's how Mahomes has shown that he's going to make mistakes is if he feels constantly pressured and, you know, his guy's not really helping him out. You know, we're also talking about Chris Jones, who's elite of elite and getting after the QB and Nick Bosa on the other side, who's equally as good. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the biggest key is, is who's dominating that edge presence and creating pressure, which at least up to this point, KC, uh, you know, through all the stat metrics has been the more successful team in that. Um, you know, I think the biggest what if with that is the fact that Charles Amenehue's out uh, with his yeah. torn ACL. I mean, and and it sucks for him. One, I, someone who went through a torn ACL, I know how that process is terrible. Um, but at the same time, you know, he was on the 49ers last year. So it would have been cool to kind of see him. He'll go out, go to his old team, and I'm sure he, if he was fully healthy, he would have done something to leave his mark because that's what he's done this whole playoffs. I mean, literally the play before he tore his ACL, he got a strip sack of Lamar. So, I mean, he was balling. Um, And, you know, I think that's what something that's the big what if with the Chiefs creating pressure. But, you know, if, if they do it how they did when it happened in the Ravens game, we saw Chris Jones go more on the outside. And I mean, he's he's just as elite on the outside as he is on the inside. And hopefully, they line him up on the right tackle and not. I was say, him going against your wheel, that's <laughs> <Mark's> <laughs> office. I'd like Carl Loftus. I'd be like George. Here is George. You know, he's like Bakaitis in Tropic Thunder. I'd be like, hey, just go over there and run hard. He's like, teach me football. <laughs> right. Right. So that it, I mean, that's the big what if with it. But you know, he he went down decently early in the Ravens game, and they were still able to create their pressure. And we all know that Spagnolo is going to dial up some, like Kurt said, perfectly timed blitzes in the right situation that, you know, will will get after Purdy and hopefully cause some disruption. Um, you know, defensively, I think the biggest fact. I mean, I've already mentioned McCaffrey and and you know. Um, Trent, but you know they also have Ayuk and Debo and, and George Kittle, uh, so I mean, kind of uh, like a, literally a Pro Bowl roster, you know, on paper. Um, and I think defensively, they're the biggest key is just going to be shutting down one of them completely. Um, you know, I I don't think you're going to be able to completely stop McCaffrey. Um, at the same time, I don't think you're going to be able to completely stop the trio of Debo, 
Ayuk and, and Kittle. Um, but that being said, I think if you can take Ayuk out to some degree, um, as Snead has been able to do with most teams, you know, number one threat, um, I think that creates enough, dis- enough disruption with how they've, you know, been doing things in the playoffs that, you know, could create some issues for San Francisco. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the, the, the biggest thing defensively. And then, you know, I think the other component is just looking at how San Francisco's played, uh, you know, what Green Bay and Detroit, I mean, they got down to pretty early leads that were, I mean, hell, that Detroit game, I was like, damn, Detroit's going to the Super Bowl. And yeah. I like low key wanted them to win too. So it's like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I, I know what I'm doing, but. Uh, but then it's like they come back. And I just don't think that this Chiefs defense is a team that they can do that against. So, you know, if they come out and are kind of flat as they've been in, in you know, these past couple games, I think we're looking at even bigger issues for them because that to some degree takes McCaffrey out of the game or just, yeah. you know, Shanahan's game plan of I'm going to be in really tight formations to look like I'm running all the time. And I probably will 75% of the time, but you don't know. Uh, but if you're down 14 nothing, like hell, <laughs> you kind of know what they got to do. It's just something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that'll be interesting to just see how it starts out with how San Francisco's been. But, you know, at the same time, that a hell of a team, number one seed. So we're the favorites to get there and, you know, got there. And McCaffrey is, you know, maybe potential league MVP and the rest of the guys they have are, are top five <laughs> at their position. So, you know, certainly a tough matchup for the defense, um, probably the toughest one they've had all year. But, you know, they've been, like I said, battle tested and answered every every matchup they've gone against. So, you know, I think you got it. stick to the same game plan, trust in Spags, hope you're creating your pressure and, you know, just let Mahomes go out there and and, you know, let him hook up with Kelsey and, and just beat up the cover three, cover four that they're going to get. Great breakdown. Great breakdown. Kurt, what you got? Uh, there. <laughs> it started off with hope for the 49ers. And then it transitioned to, one, they're playing into the Chiefs' hands. And two, they're showing what happens when the spectacle the outside events and the lights become more important than the game. I've been listening to multiple players who won the Super Bowl, and there's one thread that has flown or flowed through all those teams. The team that was able to get there focus on the job at hand and realize that you're going to have more than enough time to celebrate after the game and allow the people that you bring to go out and have all their fun. But there's no fun if you don't end up with one more point in the, in, in on your side than the other team. And so When I say that they're playing into the Chiefs' hands, this is what I wanted to say on the last segment. I've watched the last couple of games that the Chiefs played, especially against the Ravens. And there's one player 
that is similar to Jordan in the fact that when you talk trash to him, it actually makes him lock in. Mm. And it actually mm -hmm. helps him, right? The great ones, when you give them that fuel, what you're doing is now making them hyper-focused. And that's the worst thing you could do. The Let best thing to do, engagement. yeah, the best thing <laughs> right. ever is be very complimentary, be very quiet, be very um, congratulatory. The no thing way. that you don't want to do is now allow your actions to make this person an adversary mm -hmm. because now they have a reason and a person and a situation to focus on, right? And so the player is Travis Kelsey. He's the one player that has that, that certain vibe to him. Mahomes too, but more so Kelsey is the vocal one, right? Yeah. He's been a little brother. He's been, if you followed his career, he's been the one that paints outside the lines, right? And so yesterday when he was at the, conf the press conference and the 49er fans started booing him, and he said, oh, y'all get me ready to play right now. <laughs> yeah. The booze, the booze get me ready. It's the same thing that you've seen when they played the Ravens. It's the same thing that you've seen when they won their Super Bowls. When people have talked sideways to them, especially to Kelsey, he's the one with the rabbit ears. He's paying attention. He's the one that says, be careful of what you're saying. He's the one that keeps receipts. And so what you're doing, because Mahomes is just is, is the same way, but him and Purdy were very complimentary to each other, right? They were, oh, man, great guy. Yes, great guy. Great. I, I love what he's doing. Da, 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 da. But Kelsey is the one. He's the spark plug that gives them that fire because he's the one that paints outside the lines. And so when I heard that, and then also, again, when you're more focused on the external, when I'm hearing the 49ers complain about the field, when I'm hearing the 49ers yeah. complain Love about them. the situation, right? That's telling you <laughs> you're not focused on the game, right? That's a great take, Eric. Go ahead, though. Yeah, when, for real. When you're there at this moment, this is not the moment to let the external things become bigger than what you can control. The teams that win – Every team that I've watched that has players talking about the Super Bowl, one thing that they were able to do was realize control the controllables, right? When I'm seeing the Chiefs at the Super Bowl, first practice, padded up and going after it, that's very reminiscent of the Baltimore Ravens, of how they were talking about the Ravens' defense was flying around, getting after it at practice for the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, you're not hearing anything about them caring about the field. They're there for the what? The game. We can figure all that mm -hmm. other stuff out. Who cares? You're at the Super Bowl. When I'm hearing players from the from the 49ers talking about, oh, you know, we're going to get here for the first couple, two days, and we're going to let our hair down. We're going to enjoy the festivities. Yeah. I know the hell you ain't. <laughs> no, the hell you not. Enjoy the participation trophy. You are a couple <laughs> hours away <laughs> from the from Vegas. You can enjoy this after the game. Mm -hmm. This is not the time to talk about. Oh, we got to let our hair down for the first two nights. 
Vegas is not the place you want to act differently <laughs> because the Vegas. Oh, and because nobody has defeated the nightlife. No. Nobody has defeated what Vegas can do. That's why they call it Sin City. You get out here, you want to, and you're going to mess around and not have any legs up under you mm. because you're going to get caught up. And mm. when and what happens that you say, okay, we're going to go in at 10 becomes two o'clock mm. in the morning real quick. You got you got right. one through six. Yeah. What is Mahomes <laughs> talking about? Mahomes is like, hey, look, man, I'm getting I'll back. I'll buy you all a trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mahomes is out. like, we I'm, I'm at the I'm at the house. I'm not doing anything differently and than I've done. And here's my last take. This is how I knew the Chiefs on something different. Mahomes said, I'm going to go through my Super Bowl routine. I was just about to talk about that. <laughs> that means that I've done this before. Uh -huh. I know what it's like. I have a routine. I'm not caught up in anything else but winning this game. And so that tells me when looking at this, I had hope for the 49ers. I had I had thoughts that the 49ers could be could beat the the giants they could they could go it's me versus me and i'm going to be great but here's what i'm seeing the chiefs this is a business decision this is a business trip for the 49ers they're getting caught up in all the lights and glitz and glam and our first time there the chiefs they know what they're doing and they're able to lock in again when you're having a padded practice your first practice and you're going after it that says a whole lot that, that's saying oh, on business <laughs> I can't say it better. We yeah. standing on business. Yep. yep. Drop the mic on now. Drop the mic yeah. on now. Yeah, a great Kurt. Um, it's it's gonna be real difficult to to follow that take because that was <laughs> Alex's take was good. Um, you know, from a new uh a schematical perspective, yours was good from an intangible perspective. You know, now for me, in in that this is. We got to this this moment here, and it's it's, it's quite early, you know, uh, from when I experienced this last time. We are in in that space in that era for me that I don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Oh hell and, to no! And and to your point, to 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 use your point to back up my point, you know, he amongst everybody else is completely and utterly focused and stand no business, as y'all said. Yeah, they are, they're completely locked in and completely focused. And again, they've been there before. There's some of these forty nine is players including the most important player the quarterback hasn't yet so but from that perspective in that regard that that's definitely an advantage for kansas city on yeah. top of the fact like you said kelsey is tired of these taylor swift rumors he's tired of talking about taylor and this that, and the third that's more of a conversation than the actual game he's tired yeah. of people booing him patrick Mahomes tired of talking about his dad and people making fun of his voice and all this type of stuff in the press conferences you know somebody literally asked him in the press conference can he do what's his best kermit the frog impression in a, we talk about we talk about a press conference in the Super Bowl. You talk about yeah. Kermit Scott. So right. yeah. So I'm just literally just 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 fueling the tank, baby. I'm just loading yeah. the tank, loading yep. the tank. So we've really got to the point where I really feel like, like you said, the Kansas City Chiefs are super hyper focused and they're going to need to be because again, this 49 team is good. This 49 yeah. team is good. You know, now granted, granted they have their flaws. You know, they actually got off the slow starts. They've played, you know, uh, I get lackluster football in early, early in games in the past two games, and they had to, you know, rally to uh, to win. Now, I promise you this: what the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to do is being experienced and and as and as well versus they are at this moment. They're not going to let you back in the game. Oh, not at all. 
If you get down no. on this team, they're not going to let you back in the game. Not at all. So no. Their best bet is to play. Or milk the clock and just keep it moving. Exactly. <laughs> so your best bet is to keep pace and and to and to keep keep the party going early. Like you start off the party hot and keep it going early throughout the time four quarters because you do not. Again, the advantage rise with the, the the Chiefs, but for all from all from that perspective, you know, and holistically, in how it all boils down for me, though, again, I think this game is going to come down to who makes the first mistake, if all mm-hmm. things are equal. Yeah, who does not capitalize on their opportunities late in game will likely lose this game. Yeah, both these teams are well coached. They have great play callers on both sidelines. These these teams, you know, don't tend to make a lot of mistakes. You know, when they when they're really locked in and really playing good football, which when they are. Going, this yeah, exactly. So with the edge going to Mahomes and the Chiefs on experience alone, why, like we said, I think Chiefs will outlast the 49ers ultimately and secure a close victory for my money. Mm. I have into the like I said, into the area where I don't bet against Mahomes, and that's a la you know Tom Brady's you know mantra late in his career for me. Yeah, you know, only time I bet against Mahomes is when he playing the Chargers because I got to, <laughs> you know. But outside of that, but <laughs> outside, his pride gets in the way there, right? There you go, <laughs> fandom gets in the way there. But outside of that, you know, I don't bet against them. You know, but I think we get into the point where, much like what Tom Brady did with teams, they sh- they strike fear in teams, and they tend to have to, and they tend to overplay their hand and go against their natural instincts and try to keep up with the Chiefs. Yeah, and if you're going to play the Chiefs brand of football, you're ultimately always going to lose. So I'm not betting against Reed Re- 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 Mahomes. I'm not. No, nope. I'm, I'm riding with the AFC West. That's that's where it lands for me. Yeah, you know, clear cut <laughs> to the point. Yeah, to the point because again, I don't, I don't believe that you know if unless the, you know, begin the edge of a quarterback, which is the most important position in this game, go definitely goes to Mahomes. Yeah, you know, so I believe that again, if it's toe to toe, blow for blow, and you know, my my best against your best, I think that the quarterback will ultimately decide this game, and Patrick Mahomes is going to be that one. And you can't and and listen, we've seen the 49ers first half were dismal, and like yeah. you said, they. Claw back. That. They did. The Chiefs are not the team that you think. Not the defense. You, you could do that again. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're not going to start off like that and get no. down 14, 21. You, you, I can guarantee if the Chiefs are up 21 7 at halftime, get ready to watch the Super Bowl. I mean, get ready to watch the halftime show and the and all the commercials in the second half because the game is over. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I mean, what was it, 17-7 at half for the Ravens game? And that was – I mean, they didn't put anything else. More up. than enough. Yep. More than <laughs> yeah. enough. So, yep. you know, if it, yeah, like you said, and and we saw against Detroit and Green Bay, they – I mean, I don't remember what Green Bay was, but Detroit was, what, 21-28, nothing? Like, point they, were 20, they were up 20. They were up 20. Yeah, yeah it was it yeah. was a lot. It was like, they were up three Gardner three. Johnson was waving by to everyone. It so, was. I mean, and God, that backfired. That quickly dead yeah. age. <laughs> yeah. 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 Age no, I, cool. and, and I wanted to touch on what you kind of said earlier, Kurt. And I mean, I think it kind of used as a theme, but, you know, that the, the Chiefs are obviously the team that's been there before. And I think yeah. that's definitely played a factor in every game up to this, you know, point in the postseason. And, and you know why would it? Why would the 49ers Super Bowl matchup be any different? But you know, like Buffalo, I, I think I said on our Wild West show, you could tell that they were so worried about giving Mahomes, you know, more than a minute, right? That they forgot to score, and then it's just like you know, right. like they were so worried about the Mahomes effect that they just got rid of their own game plan, and then they're like, oh crap, we're out of time, and you yeah. know, 
and then they don't come up with a play. Ravens yeah. were wanted to be the uh, you know kind of the gnawing dog at the start of the game and just talk so much trash that hopes it it gets the Chiefs rattled. But you know, like they said, that fuels them, and they're obviously the well you know better coached, more composed team because you know everything they were trying to do wasn't. I mean, I guess maybe Kelsey got a little questionable once or twice, but. For the, I mean, everything else the Ravens were trying to do was just like, you know, it was just unfazed. And yeah. we definitely saw the boiling point in that game with the Roquan Smith. You know, I, he was obviously told to go off sides just to get it to a first down. But, you know, I think the game as a whole got to him there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like you said, oh, this pregame stuff. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, damn, dude, not like that. I didn't right. mean like that. Like, right. come on. Right. Right. But, you know, and then, yeah, like you said, with uh, all this, it, you know, and I know it's the pregame and we're five days out, but you can tell the difference in how the Chiefs handle the media and handle answering questions and what they're talking about, or at least what's blown up across all social medias. But then, yeah, like you said, you see the first thing is 49ers bitching about the field and then, you know, and then uh, Fred Warner bitching about getting whatever pecan muffins or whatever the hell it was today. And, and Kyle Shanahan kind of seeming like he was a little bit inebriated, talking about yeah. how he said that a little bit of the juice. Yeah, he <laughs> seemed like the Vegas sauce got to him a little early. Yeah, you know? yeah, but, yeah. You can yeah. definitely tell that there's like that component of of professionalism and being there and and having the task at hand, you know, yeah. at the forefront of the mind. And and I I don't see the 49ers as presently doing that right now as a team. And and I think that's definitely going to come in and play a factor, especially with how they've they've done this whole postseason run. Yeah. Indeed. yeah. And it Indeed. and and here's a here's here's my last thing I'll say too. When you're facing a team that can make you impatience based impatient because of their patience, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. They get you pressing, yeah. right? And when you look at them schematically, they have they have linebackers fast enough to run with the tight end, Kittle. Okay, they can keep up with him. They have a corner that can go man on man if they need two. to. They got two, two on Ayuk, yeah. right? So really, yeah. it comes and down McDuffie. to yeah. and McDuffie. So All really, pros. it comes down to allowing Reed and the other safety to get in the box, and both of those safeties can cover uh, um, Christian out the backfield. So when you yeah. look at schematics, right, and we know Trent Williams is is a monster but here's the thing chris jones is a monster just as well and the fastest i just want to see one time i just want to see him go just one time let me see it yeah do it the start of the game and then put him over on there you go there you go yeah let me get it give me one rep first matchup just put your helmet right in trent's chest plate the fastest way to get to a quarterback is right up the middle. And we yeah, know where Chris Jones dominates, right? And if you decide to double team him, you're going to have problems. Now, I'm going to say the X factor, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I, the other defensive end. Carloftis. Carloftis. Furious he George. can get. If he can go to the opposite side of Trent Williams and cause havoc, that's going to be a big problem. And he's shown he's shown flashes that he, he had can, ten and a half sacks this year. So I yes, mean he, he produced so he, pretty he got, well. He 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 got a first move and a secondary counter move. Let's just say that. Yeah. I 
Our losses kind of remind me, and I, I know Raiders fans, maybe some NFL fans will get pissed, but it kind of reminds me of Max Crosby and that, like, he really doesn't do yeah. anything special in terms of technique. He just doesn't relentless. stop. He's relentless. <laughs> he just doesn't relentless. stop. Like, yeah. And, I mean, there's definitely something to be said with an edge rusher with a high motor. Like, I mean, we yep. see how many sacks Crosby gets off of it. And Karloftis kind of benefits the same from teams, you know, obviously favoring Chris Jones' side and making sure they secure that first. And, yep. you know, he's just so relentless that he gets back there. So, yeah, yeah he's I not mean, Chase Young. No. <laughs> yeah, Chase Young is dead. But he'll take – He'll take half the plays off in this game. And, yeah, you know, he just might. Check. He um, just might. He just and might. another thing, too, it'll be interesting. Like, I know that they didn't play this year, and, and they played last year, but that was the same. Like, they traded for McCaffrey, I think, four or five days before that, so he didn't really play. But, you know, it's, I, and I mentioned this yesterday, it was interesting to see. I wonder if they'll kind of scheme for Nick Bosa the same way they did in that game where they, like, really didn't block him. They were just sending so many guys in motion at him. And chipping him with running backs, like so, like creating this confusion with them, and you know, and it'll be interesting to see if, if uh, you know, they do something similar because I mean, I don't think you can really, like, you need to plan for Chase Young like you do Nick Bosa just because of what he's, I mean, what he's put on tape since he came back from his injuries. Um, So I mean, I I think if they can just neutralize Bosa to some degree. I mean, they're, you're, you're taking a big component of the already vulnerable 49, 49ers defense out of the game and, you know, leaving it up to Fred Warner to, you know, just ball out. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of like – I like the odds with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see, man. It's definitely going to be a good game. You know, I, I definitely like all of our uh, takes on it. And uh, we'll definitely have uh, a lot to uh, – you know, recap once the game is over, but I do think it's going to be a really good game. I think I do think that although we couldn't have predicted this to happening at the beginning of the season, I think that we're really going to get a really good game come Sunday. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, buckle up and, uh, and 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 be ready for a good four quarters of football, in my opinion. Yep. All right. Very so, good. moving over as we wrap the show up here, um, let's talk about legacy real quick. So. Mm-hmm. We've gotten two quarterbacks. One is a second-year starter. You know, one is, you know, already, you know, quite frankly, is a household name um, in, in in a lot of regards uh, in Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, real quick, let me get the panel's, uh, I guess you can say, take on what this game will mean for each quarterback in a sense that, you know, what does this do for either quarterback's legacy if they were able to win the Super Bowl come Sunday? All right, well, I guess uh, you got it, Kurt. Yeah, um, for Purdy, it will quiet the uh, the knock that he's he's unfairly received that he's just a system quarterback, which it it, it irritates me because every quarterback's a system quarterback. If you're not playing, yeah, yeah. if you're not running the system right in somehow some way. Right. You're doing. You're 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 not going to be winning. And here's not, the thing: you're not going to be starting for the for a long time if you can't run the system. So that's a good point. Right. Here's the thing: when I look at Purdy, yes, you can be a system quarterback, but how efficiently and effectively do you run that system? And how do you understand the concepts and get the ball to the right person at the right time? Right. Purdy is not. And if there was 10, 30 Mahomes walking around, then yeah, 
everybody would have one. But Mahomes is a generational talent, he's right? One on one. But what Purdy does well is he's taken the offense that Kyle has had, that multiple quarterbacks have been in, and he runs it as seamless as a sewing machine, right? He makes mm-hmm. throws that are high quality throws, and he's unflappable. He's shown that he can play with a deficit and get them to a win. So to me, he will change the narrative of what he's dealing with, with the game manager and the seventh round mystery relevant, right? He will become relevant okay. for my homes. It just, it, it sends him on the trajectory, the trajectory he's already headed, right? Mahomes is what Aaron Rodgers wanted to be. Mm. Supreme talented. Yeah. Supremely <laughs> talented, a winner, but also a leader of men. Mm. He what he and is marketable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he doesn't need ayahuasca. He doesn't need any trips. He doesn't need Pat McAfee. He doesn't need Pat McAfee, right? And he doesn't need crazy takes to be relevant. He allows his winning to take care of his his legacy, right? He's got the arm talent like Mahomes. But, I mean, he's got the arm talent like Rodgers, but he's a winner. Rodgers wishes that he could have gone to as many – NFC championships are gone to as many championships and Super Bowls. That was the whole trajectory for Rodgers. Oh my gosh, the greatest thrower of football. There's no one that can flick the football like him. Da da da. Mahomes does all that, but Mahomes also has won. And so yeah. with this win, he truly will put himself in rarefied air and he will continue the I'm chasing greatness right if he wins this he will undoubtedly plant himself as the number two greatest quarterback in the nfl ever to play and now he will start the true argument of is he better than brady with this super bowl win we're talking about he's on a lebron pace with every year since he's been a starter he has made the AFC championship, and now, Alex, you said what? This is four, four out of six? Four out of five. Four out of five? So you're talking yeah. about being there five times and now winning. This will be his fourth or third? This third. will be his third. third. If he wins, it'll be his third win. He'll be his fourth trip. He's still yes. out of four. Yeah. So three Super Bowl wins in six years. He's on pace to be able to get to that seventh, right? But here's the thing I think Mahomes understands. Success is not loyal to anyone, and winning is not favorable. She's not Winning is not a loyal uh, uh, spouse. She likes to cheat. <laughs> and she's really what's, you know, who's done something for me lately. And I think Mahomes captures that. He has a small window with Kelsey. And I think that's what he's understanding. If Kelsey was in his sixth year, oh my gosh, this would be sick. It this would be, be crazy. Be, be. But I think oh, yeah. this, this plants this plants Mahomes right there, without a doubt, 
without an argument, he he eclipses Joe Montana, even in conversation. Mm. He now is the number two, and he's on pace to start an argument with um, uh, Tom as the, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Wow. Hey, hey, Alex, Kerr brought it today, man. He, he yeah, hit a play. Hey, I <laughs> like what he's serving. I yeah. like it. He, I had to step up because we have a great we have a great guest. Yeah, he <laughs> hit a play today. I'm telling you. <laughs> listen. Ain't no messing around today. All right. Not at all. He, listen, he hit for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> 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 what, what are your thoughts, though, out of between Purdy and, and Mahomes' legacy if they win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I mean – I think Kurt kind of uh, kind of regret letting him go first. I know, right? It's most like, of the let, stuff let, I was going to say. Just but, uh, first of the song. You don't let them, you, know, you got to go last. <laughs> Damn it. I just started going. I was like, this is going to say the same stuff I want to hit. But, all right. Um, I mean, I yeah, I think the Purdy perspective, obviously, he's gotten a lot of flack lately as a game manager. Um, you know, the, the one smug – Chief's comment I'll make is, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo looked pretty decent at offense, and look how he looked when he went to Vegas. So, but hey, I, hey, whatever. Uh, I'm just putting that out there. Just, just <laughs> let it simmer. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if he's the guy to take down Mahomes, I mean, you saw how Burroughs' aura and legacy kind of got catapulted once they took down the Chiefs and went to the Super Bowl and. You know, every year he's like, it's like, well, yeah, Burrow could be the guy to take him down. Um, and so I think you see kind of a similar catapulting for Purdy if, if they win this. And, you know, like he said, I think he you kind of have to shed the game manager title. He obviously, you know, will be the next kind of he'll probably get some Brady comparison solely because of where he was drafted. And the fact that, you know, what is second year starting, they win the Super Bowl and damn near should have gone last year had he not gotten hurt. So, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like dude's a hell of a QB, like definitely runs the Shanahan offense better than any of the other options they've tried to get. I mean, we know they've been trying to get that for what, four or five years now. Um, And, you know, even trade up to get Trey Lance and then get their guy in the seventh round, which is just wild. But, um, yeah, I mean, hell of a guy, and, I, and like I said, I think this is a, a night like a perfect Super Bowl QB matchup where you have the guy with the crazy arm talent and, you know, all the flash and is able to kind of do basketball and one mixtape type plays with throwing the ball, and then you just got a guy who's from Iowa State who just, like, oozes all this confidence for, like, no reason and gets crap done. You know, we're going to see two really good QBs that are doing it in different ways. But I do think, yeah, like this, you know, undoubtedly will help Purdy's legacy. And, you know, I think the flip side of that, I think Mahomes' legacy is somewhat cemented in the fact of just what he's done in this. I mean, his first year as a full starter, they almost went to the Super Bowl. He's never played and he's never finished a season in anything below the AFC championship game since he's been the full time starter. Uh, you know, they lost to Brady in overtime in, what, 2018. And then since then, Super Bowls are AFC Championship games. So, I mean, that five-year stretch that he's had, or five, six-year stretch, I don't think you can really – it's kind of been an unmatched, you know, uh, little time capsule of success, so to speak. So, I think with from that perspective, you know, it's somewhat cemented in that he's always going to be mentioned in the greatest QBs to play the game. 
but you know i kind of echo what kurt said and it's sort of like you know and even if i was going to even hit a lebron comparison because it's kind of like you know lebron came in the league right i mean i guess jordan was came back kind of but was you know still somewhat around and then lebron comes in and just goes on this tear whereas like mahomes gets in the league and brady's around for what two three more years and you know, does beat him in the Super Bowl, but then it's just like Mahomes just goes on this tear once Brady's out or just kind of irrelevant down in Tampa. Um, but like, you know, if he does win this game, then yeah, you're talking about three Super Bowls and four trips. Um, and, you know, he, he gets over the, you know, he got over the one Super Bowl hump and got a second one and then gets over that, you know, that two hump and you're looking at, dynasty level run and then I think like Kurt said he's chasing Brady like chasing seven you know LeBron's chasing six it's kind of the same thing Um, and and you know but I think the other side is if he if he loses then I think it gets hindered a little bit of he's like yeah I mean he's successful run but it's 500 in Super Bowls right now you know two for two and and then you know people then you get to talk about well, that Philly Super Bowl is that BS holding call that they got. And then, you know, if people start finding the negative aspects to kind of put an asterisk to the success, so to speak. Um, But, you know, I I do think that, you know, Mahomes has obviously cemented his legacy as the top five QB to play the game, maybe even higher than that. Um, I think that's further evidenced by the fact that they're undoubtedly in this villain era of, you know, like they're basically the Patriots now where everyone wants to just watch them fail. Like that's all everyone's rooting for now. Yeah. Outside the Seeks fans, it's like, man, I'd really like, I'd really love to just watch Mahomes just eat crow, right? <laughs> like just look terrible right. for one game. Right. And, you know, and then, but they're like, they kind of have the same aura as the Patriots did where it's like, you want to hate them, but like they also don't do anything to really make you be like, oh yeah, it's easy to hate them. Cause like, you know, he answers everything so professional. Outside of a couple times, he doesn't really show his emotion, you know, uh, and he's, I mean, a, a good, like, a good leader, good competitor, just does everything right. So, you know, I think, yeah, we see that if he wins, he's continuing on that chasing greatness path, but I think undoubtedly is the second best QB to ever play. I like it. I like it. For me, for Mahomes, I think it puts him in an unprecedented path to greatness, much like you guys have already uh, shared. If he wins the Super Bowl, he's already in has deep Hall of Fame consideration mm-hmm. at this point already, and he's still oh, yeah. in his late twenties. On top of the fact that he has inside track, yeah, yeah, exactly. So on top of the fact of in, you know, on the inside track of chasing Brady down for Super Bowl wins, assuming he keeps Andy, I think that's the most important part of this run. The longer Andy stays, the more like the more likelihood he gets chased time down. Now, if he gets a different K coach, then you know I don't know what that means, depending on who it is. But I think the long as Andy's around and Patrick's in his prime, they got they got a shot every yeah. year. And yeah. honestly, I mean, as long as they keep the success up, I don't see Reed leaving. I, I agree. Mean, he kind of he kind of said it himself, and I mean, mm-hmm. no coach is going to go into pregame Super Bowl stuff and be like, "Yeah, if we win, I'm going to retire." Like they're not going to yeah. do that. I mean, maybe they're a dumbass and don't understand how media works. They might, but. Yeah. So Reed's not going to say that, but the way he answered that question today or yesterday, I mean, it's basically kind of a really professional way to be like, dude, are you stupid? Like, I've been to, been to four of the last five Super Bowls. Why would I retire? Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, if you think about it for a second, like most of us said that when Tom won seven, that nobody was going to pass it for a long time. I think a lot of people get, literally thought it or utterly said it. 
Now, if you if, if, if your home is in this situation, you're third in, in five years as the Chiefs started, it's still in his 20s. I think he he has the ability to threaten Tom's legacy in, in short order. To Alice's point, you know, it's literally a, a passing of the torch. The minute Tom was, you know, you know, getting ready to, you know, hang it up, Patrick was right there to, to, to pick up the torch and say, I, it's my league now. You know, I, I look at me. I am the captain now. <laughs> I am your captain now. I am the captain now. So yeah. But you know, it's uh it's interesting, like you know, when they lost the AFC game to the Patriots, there was a bunch of reports about how Brady like waited outside the Chiefs locker room and like had this long conversation with Mahomes. And I'm sure part of it was like, dude, like you're this is your league. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once I'm done here. Yeah, and- pass the torch. That's a torch. I mean, it, and I think it's pretty obvious the way Mahomes carries himself and is kind of – I think he's tailored his game to the way Brady went about approaching the game and, and leading his team and everything. And, and you know, I think we've seen that more evident this year with, like I said a few times, you know, running the ball more, understanding yeah. that, like, I don't have to be – Superman. You know, I don't got to go out – yeah, I don't got to go out and put up a triple-double. Like, I just got to get us, you know – 15 first downs and end with field goals it will be fine and you know i think it's like understanding that and like you know that success kind of will just go to whatever's whoever's the hot hand like you know it he understands what's at stake here and i you know i just don't see him not being successful as long as he's like you said with reed and and in this offense true very true now for me for brock purdy Honestly, unless he's the overarching reason why they win, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into him being the game-changing quarterback yet. I know a lot of people want just waiting with bated breath to say he's gonna, he's a game-changing quarterback because he won the Super Bowl and he beat Mahomes, right? Um, you know, although, you know, his fan club wants him there. Like, like I said, everybody that's a Brock Purdy enthusiast wants to put him there, right? I think Cal's system is, is, is so sound that all he truly needs to be is a high IQ, accurate quarterback operating in it. If you have weapons yeah. in the middle line, then you can be successful. I'm not going to sit here and say that Brock Purdy isn't defying odds, you know, but I think he is a benefactor of, of the right IQ, the right place, and the right time, and being in San Francisco. So I think there's a lot different than places like Chicago and Cleveland if he was a starter there. So, oh. you know, but I will say this, you know, based upon the dynamics and and the and the and the, I guess you can say the pressure cooker of an event that is the Super Bowl and his first time out again, if he's over overarchingly the reason why, if he takes the game over and he outduels Mahomes. And yeah, I would elevate his his grade. Like I'll give him like a a C plus B minus at the moment. He would he probably move over to a B plus quarterback for me because again, there is something to be said when it comes down to the game changing title. You have to have elite skill in certain yeah. aspects to be a game changing quarterback. You know, you got to be elite like Lamar with his legs. You got to be elite with, with arm talent like Josh and, and Patrick and Justin Nard to change games. If you if you don't have elite talent to a certain degree, then again, I can't label you as a game changing quarterback. Where you can't just literally put the team on your back. With you know, again, because we saw what Purdy was like when just Debo was out. So yeah. that 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 has to you have to understand that you know he's a benefactor of where he is at this moment. If he was in different places, different times, it might be different. You know, for him, he might not even be starting. So it just depends on you know what he has going for him, and then for his sake he has everything going for him all his weapons are healthy his own line is healthy you know there's no nothing no knocks on him from an office perspective everybody's ready to go so again with all that being said he's gonna saddle all them horses up and say that i'm gonna go in here and beat the defending champs he does it again the elevation is great for me but i'm not going i'm not going to give him the whole game game changing title just yet for my money yeah 
I I mean, I'd agree with that too. Cause, and I think about like Eli Manning, right? He beat Tom Brady twice, right, but no one's exactly. going to say Eli Manning's better the than Tom Brady. Quarterback. <laughs> like, you know, like, and at the same time, I wouldn't say that Eli Manning, I mean, I, I don't remember those Super Bowls a lot, but I wouldn't say that Eli Manning did anything special to go out and win those games outside of maybe Tyree with the bubblegum catch yeah, exactly. on the But yeah, and but I mean, for the most part, like those Giants teams had stellar defenses and, you know, good athletes around them. And that's similar mm-hmm. to what we see here in San Francisco, you know, on top of the fact that he's making well, like what a million dollars. So they're able to pay all these other people. Exactly. exactly. You know, so it's like, Let's see where it's at when he gets more justified money and they can't put all these pieces around him and how much, you know, does his playing QB and arm play a factor into the success? Great point. Great point. All right. So I think I got a feeling as we as we close the show out here, I think I got a feeling of where we all kind of land with the whole idea of uh, game picks for the Super Bowl. But this is our recap for the for the season. Uh, our cover title game, I was 0-2. Uh, for picks, Kurt was one and one, Damn. so I'm I'm five hundred and sixty and sixty. Kurt fifty eight and sixty two, so we got one game Damn, left. You with the Ravens, bro, come on. I, I know, I know, I know. I I, I, I drank the Kool Aid. I'm sorry, I did, I did. I regret it. I regret it. Like that's why I said you, you, Mahomes learned me. Like I said, that, 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 that's why I stamped the idea that I'm not better him against him anymore. I, I mean. I hope you pick the 49ers now. For the oh, sake no, of, I, I, did, I did not. For promise. the sake of your record, and <laughs> pick. You better not say Chiefs, bro. Come on. I, I'm picking the Chiefs. Chiefs are my pick. Chiefs by three. That's my pick. Chiefs by three. Yeah. I got. I I have a similar. I mean, I think it it comes. It's going to be a close game. Um, and I I said twenty seven twenty four. Okay. Okay, Kurt. What you got? Chiefs by thirteen. Thirteen. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm, hey. I'm hey. Thinking, and the and the Madden Sim had the Chiefs winning. 3028. So for whatever yeah. that's worth. <laughs> I'm thinking something like a 26-10, 26-13. I I, okay. I just really I I think they're gonna come in humming <laughs> and and the Chiefs are gonna, you know, they're gonna cover the spread. So it's definitely gonna be more than one and a half. So but DZ said he got a 10-point win by the Chiefs. And my guy Seminole 7 says he's a 49ers yes, fan. He, he said they got it. He got the 49ers winning. So of course he's gonna pick a squad. He's gonna pick a squad. So yeah, we'll, <laughs> give, we'll give him that. We'll give Everybody him. makes one bad decision in their life. Hey, I'll say I, I do think it's gonna be a three-point game if the 49ers don't come out flat. But if they come out like they have, I think oh, we like, like you said, Kurt. I think we definitely see a 10-point deficit, you know, yeah. 10 point in the final score. He yeah. said tw- he said twenty three twenty Chiefs. That's what he said. He on IG, okay. he on IG live with, with us. He on okay. IG live twenty three twenty is what he said. All right. That's fair. Twenty three twenty. Stay right. on business. I like that. Got to ride with the squad. Yeah. Got to ride with the squad. So yeah, man. So yeah, it's gonna be a great game. I'm definitely looking forward to covering it. Um, and recap next week, and we'll get uh, you know, hopefully, you know, if the, if the, we'll put like this, if the winner wants to come back on between him and DK, we'll yeah. have them back on the show. If they want to come back on to get their celebratory, you know, breakdown and speech. If they want to come on the show, you know, I'm not yeah. going. I'm not, not going to beg that you come on if you lose. So I'm just going. Hey. We'll too talk, soon. We'll too talk. soon. Too I'm, soon. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to put an over invitation for DK and Alex if they want to come hey, on. If they win, I stand on yeah. business, dude. I'll be here regardless of the outcome. So that'll okay. work. 
That'll work. <laughs> That'll work. All right, yeah, I'll wrap the DK on the side and see what he's talking about. But uh, but yeah, but like I said, we'll cover the Super Bowl and a bunch and a bunch of other things next week. We appreciate everybody coming through. Uh, the show has been a great show. Definitely appreciate Alex coming through for us, giving us this breakdown, and uh, Kirsch for bringing that heat. Uh, you know, he promised me by in the pregame to tell me that he was going he was going to be on one today, but I I let him live. I let him live. You know, he's definitely fine at all cylinders today. I don't know what got into him. Ain't his Wheaties or something. Ain't his Wheaties or something. Yeah, them Honey Nut Cheerios come through every time. That is, that is. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, we definitely have a great Super Bowl. Like we have a bunch of news and views for you as well. This next week for episode one thirty seven. But yeah, man, appreciate everybody coming through as well. Similar to seven, my guy on IG Live, appreciate you coming through as well. All the guys in the chat that's been representing. Uh, if you like the show, like this the content, like, comment, subscribe to the show as always. Let YouTube know we're out there and get the algorithm of booming. Get us out to a more and broader audience, man. And but in the meantime, in between time, that's the real Alice Givens. That's Coach Curry. I'm Coach Davis. Until next week, we'll see you when we see you. Step up and lock it down. <laughs>